Hey everybody, Rob here. If this episode seems a little bit out of date, that's because we recorded this about a month ago, and then with schedules of prepping for Midwest Conquest, and then attending Midwest Conquest, and then Dennis and Richard catching COVID at Midwest Conquest, uh, recording schedules got mixed up, and fortunately we had the Midwest Conquest episode ready to drop, so we released that on Memorial Day, and so we haven't had a chance to record a new episode because... Dennis and Richard haven't been able to speak without coughing, so we had this one on the back burner getting ready to be released, and so now here it is. Uh, This is technically episode 260, but we refer to it as episode 259 because that's the order in which we recorded it, and the Midwest Conquest episode was 260, but anyway, this is uh, episode 259 slash 260 of Preferred Enemies a month late, but here we go. Thank you. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that's going to do a reverse Eldari. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yes, when I say we're doing a reverse Eldari, instead of taking two episodes to talk about one codex, we're going to talk about two codexes in one episode. Strap yourselves in. No, we're actually going to try to your money. pretty, pretty <laughs> brief. We're gonna, this episode, we're going to be talking about the new Imperial and Chaos Knight codexes. They are being released side by side, sort of. Sort of. But they will be available in some form or other at the same time. So we're And because one is a dark reflection of the other, we'll let you decide which one is the dark reflection. Uh, the when Imperial. we finish up. <laughs> we'll uh we'll go ahead and uh talk about those together and so we'll tell you 10 things you need to know about the chaos and imperial knights codexes uh but first uh i would say as always news new releases and listener mail but we actually don't have any listener mail this episode which is fine because we released our last episode like two days ago so there hasn't been time for any new responses to that so that's fine <laughs> But uh, but we will be talking about news and new releases because this past week was also Warhammer Fest Online in which they revealed a lot of new uh, Warhammer 40k, Kill Team, Necromunda, Horus Heresy, Age of Sigmar, like upcoming product releases. So uh, let's just go ahead and take it from the top because Wednesday they started with... Uh, 40k and they started all that off with chaos uh we're starting to get more reveals about what's coming with the new chaos codex chaos space marines codex art has been revealed um it's okay i think it's a little it's a little busy it's like a knee it's like brightly colored john blanche artwork yeah (laughs) it it's very interesting because, like, honestly, it kind of feels like the the way the armor's designed it feels much like a uh, chaos warrior for fantasy yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's interesting. Uh, it's definitely different. <laughs> yeah, very extra, very yes. very extra. Uh, and so they started rolling off with. Uh, first off, we get new possessed models. Now we 
I think there'd been some suggestions that we were going to be getting new possessed, which is fine. That kit is old and needs a revamp anyway. Yeah. And, uh, these things are all over the place as far, which I mean, the old possessed kit was as well, but these yeah. guys are, are chunky and full well, of parts. <laughs> it's interesting because like we have this two greater possessed that came in shadow spear that have never been solo released. It kind of seems like from reading on this and like seeing like the size comparisons, those are just new possessed now. There is not going to be greater possessed. It's just those are possessed and they're now that big. Right. Because they said the new possessed are the size of Primaris and Gravis armor. And I mm -hmm. want to say they mentioned that they were actually going to be released on 40 mil bases rather than 32s. I'm trying to remember because I, I did I watch the. I, I think I remember hearing that. I do think I remember hearing yeah. them say they're going to release them on 40. Um, right. But yeah, they're 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 chonky boys. Um, yeah. So I kind of expect those two in in Shadow Spear are no longer going to be quote unquote greater possessed. They're just going to be possessed, um, which is fine. They didn't need an extra unit for them. <laughs> no, they really didn't. Especially a little two off unit, like one to two unit of greater possessed, yeah. didn't really make sense. But yeah, just fitting them into making the greater possessed part of the greater possessed pool of models yes. it works works well. well and they kind of mentioned as well that, like, these are supposed to be pretty modular. Like, the previous Possessed, the reason to buy the previous Possessed kit was so that you could get, you know, flaily, you know, uh, mutated bits and stuff for your for your regular Marines to kit bash. So, like, it does sound like these are going to have a, lot, a pretty good variety on, like, how they're, they can be assembled and stuff. And I think that's also going to be a place for them where, like, oh, yeah, you buy this kit and then you take, like, an extra arm and put it on a Space Marine or do this and, you know put legs on this guy to make him look weird. So I like it. I think it's going to be a cool kit. Yeah. No, I think it, it's, and it definitely is stretching into a new design. Like, you know, something that we've seen before with spawn to some, to, to some mm -hmm. extent, not so much with the older possessed kit, but we're starting to lean more into the body horror aspect of chaos. Oh yeah. And that's, uh, and, and as we really get further down, <laughs> yeah, uh, and so next, the next thing they show off is new cultists. Finally, we are getting uh, multi-part cultist kits that match the aesthetic of the ones from uh, Blackstone Fortress Escalation, yep. which is fine. Those were those are good yeah. chaos cultists. I, they are. Um, so uh, the, no problems with that. I'm a little bit disappointed that there's no that there's not ones that also kind of match the older cultist aesthetic as well, just because. They are different, um, and I think that could be kind of just neat to have like both options. But, yeah, but yeah. I think I think with some some paint work at like because like the thing they have here is like the way they have theirs painted up is like all the helms are metallic. I mm -hmm. think there's in some of those that you could like do some stuff with the gas masks to like whether it's slight modification True. or just with painting, you could make them fit in. So I don't think True. it would be too hard to, to keep them consistent because they still kind of have the, you know, tattered work clothes or in many cases, just, you know, shirtless. They're just, you know, yeah, that's the big thing is these are like a lot more shirtless and like these, yeah, these kind of feel. And, and again, I love the aesthetic, so I'm not complaining, but I these do feel much more like fantasy miniatures in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, then the, the original group of cultists, which felt like, you know, which did feel very 40 K and like just kind of robes and stuff like that. So 
again, I don't think it's a problem. I think you can mix and match them in the same unit and it'll be, it'll look fine. Um, right. And again, like I really like the Blackstone Fortress one, so I'm not definitely not complaining. I just, uh, it would have also been interesting. And I, and I don't know, maybe they'll still continue to release that little five man push fit cultist box as well. Um, yeah. So that you still have both options. Yeah, the one thing I noticed you don't see with any of these is like the the heavier weapons, like the heavy stubber or the flamer. So I'm wondering if that'll be an op- oh, options true. in the kit for particular builds. I mean, I'm, I'm sure also it has not to seeing be, anybody with just. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna say I'm also not seeing any just auto guns. Like I'm seeing auto pistol close combat weapon, but we'll we'll see. Like it, we're yeah. just seeing these particular builds. We haven't seen the rest of the true. kits yet, so. Yeah. No, that is interesting. Yeah, because I kind of noticed that, like, yeah, there is only just auto pistols or bolt pistol. Um, I can't imagine they're going to take those those options away. So, yeah. Um, also, I just want to say it's, uh, it's nice to see that we're getting more representation in the models. There's male models, female models. Mm-hmm. There's a dad bod model, like the <laughs> like the guy yeah. with like the goatee beard and like he's got a bit of a paunch. I'm digging that. We've got, you know, a gal with a, like, a robotic arm, like a, you know, just a prosthesis. Yeah, good uh, Furiosa. Yeah, so we're actually, you know, seeing a nice variety in the sculpting, which is cool. It's not just, like, the same, like, ripped cultist over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Appreciating that. Then we get into cultist mutants, the accursed cultists. And uh, now we're starting to lean into that body horror. (laughs) <laughs> you've got i mean david cronenberg would be proud of some of these things the dude with like a mouth chest is like really yeah where his, <laughs> his head's kind of melting and the chest chest is opened up to a gaping maw we've got Ooh. we've got dad bod again but now he's got tentacle tentacles with for an arm with eyes on them and then like a leg coming out of his stomach it looks like it's that yeah. that's weird. No, I do dig these models because, like, and I hope these are kind of modular as well. Although, God, I kind of doubt they will be. I kind of um, the way they're yeah. the way they're sculpted. It's going to be really hard to do that. Yeah, that's true. But I do like that with these, you can definitely tell like which of the models from the other unit these are kind of like meant to mirror which is which is i think is really kind of a unique design it's like oh yeah here's like said dad bod cultist here's dad bod uh you know a cursed cultist i'm like you know mutated cultist i'm like all right that's kind of cool but yeah all right. i do and really then, dig and then and, and then we continue on to the torments and here we've gone like from cronenberg to like lynch and other and uh yeah. clive barker so it's just like whoo um yeah, these like, are insane. All of them, yeah, like all of them are. Yeah, demons have erupted from these people and are kind of wearing them like Edgar suits, you know? So. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. yeah, it's it's horrifying. Um, I I'm actually it's like we finally reached the reason why the the like when we get boxes from GW and always say not ch- not children's products. Now we have reached right. that point. <laughs> Well, but GW's trying to be family friendly, and they're trying to take all the the sex and violence out of the game. I'm gonna say maybe the, maybe the sex, but not the violence and gore. Right? Holy crap! I mean, yeah, these these models are insane. I was not expecting stuff like this, and uh, I'm stoked because these look just 
awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. They're taking chaos in a different design avenue now, and I, I dig it. <laughs> but, you know, I like the fact that it's not just, uh, you know, regular guys with spiky bits added. It's something yeah. new. For sure. And looking at these particular, like the torments in particular, I would not be surprised if we see these as like dual rules for Age of Sigmar because there's nothing sci-fi about these either. Yep, they're they're people yeah. in like robes and tabards and chains who have like a, like some sort of token of chaos like stapled to them somewhere, and then have demons bursting out of their bodies. So I, yeah. that these will probably do uh, dual purpose. Uh, and then speaking of that, uh, scrolling down more, we've got the Dark Commune, and now we've got the Sauron-worshipping portion of the uh, faction. These look like Lord I, of the Rings models in many ways. Yeah, like, I really dig the idea of having cultists like HQs. Uh, this would have solved the problem of years years ago when, like, the the Lost and the Damned Forge World Codex, or, you know, that didn't have the malefic lord or whatever like that everyone would kit bash like i like that they finally have like human hqs for this but yeah several of these are just straight up nazgul like i just right. i don't quite get the design aesthetic i don't like the pointy now, hats on all of them like it's just yeah weird. yeah those i think are a little weird now i will say like the like a couple of the banners or sigils are like look really good like the big flaming oh, sure. corn head there yeah, that guy looks awesome, and he looks, you know, he's got, like, mutated, you know, tentacles and stuff. Like, he's mutated. He's not wearing a giant spiked hat, so he looks normal. He's, like, got, an, <laughs> he's got an auto pistol, so it's like, he, he looks like he fits. The, the one that's, like, 40K. the Vox caster that has, like, his, like, head, like, mechanically, like, connected to the Vox caster, like, that one's kind of sufficiently freaky and all, they're very 40k. <laughs> yeah. But the... The, the sword masters, like, I like the idea of, like, the giant swords, and I think the swords look cool, but they look like Nazgul. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's like one of them, <laughs> like, you can, one of them has a bionic arm, so it's like, okay, well, now you've been suitably 40k'd up, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, those, those two seem a little out of place, but, uh, you know, they're leaning hard into chaos cultists, and so like sure. I'm willing to let them, you know, experiment with that design space, and they're they're Absolutely. definitely coming up with some designs that I would not have expected. So I appreciate that. Yeah. One, well, and I, I I will say this: I really appreciated right below that in the article they show the big like photo, uh, army photo of chaos with all the new stuff mixed in, and yeah, this stuff mixes right in next to the terminators and the new. Uh, you know, the new Space Marine kits and the obliterators, stuff like that. So, like, yeah, it's fine. It all it all blends together. It's just, it's kind of interesting. They've piecemealed so much of the, the Chaos line over the years that when you go a couple years and you get a new design aesthetic that like this, like, it does kind of feel jarring a little bit. But it, it mm -hmm. seems like it's going to work together. I, I think they've finally decided on what Chaos is supposed to look like. Like, what... What is this doing and do we have the modeling techniques to do it? And, you know, they've had like mutant sprues for like guardsmen and such in the past. And we've mm -hmm. had the past possessed kits and the chaos spawn kits. So it's like I think the concept was always kind of there underneath. But they've 
I think they finally crystallized it into something solid and are for and sure are working with it. And so like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally down with it. It's just, yeah, there, I was not expecting the direction on some of these, especially like the yeah. torments that one, those through like the mutants. I'm like, okay, fine. I get that. Like chaos mutants have been a thing. And then the yeah. torments are like, Oh, Oh, that's, that's what we're doing now. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, like with the torments, they kind of remind me and because like, they're on bigger bases like that. They kind of remind me of like what, spawn models probably should be mm-hmm. like because like the chaos spawn models were like yeah they just look like you know big torsos and sometimes they have legs you know arms and stuff but it's like no this is like a demon like actually like erupting and like wearing a dude suit like this is the yeah. these are sufficiently horrifying which i do like so mm-hmm and then that moves us on to the next thing we're going to switch away from chaos for a bit and uh we're getting some new uh new Insight into the leagues of Votan. And, uh, yes, once upon a time, we mentioned this when they first announced the Votan, like, oh, yeah, they had these trikes that they rode around on. <laughs> well, they got a bit of a technological glow up. Just a yeah, bit. Th- these new bikes look amazing. They look like they got hover propellers where each of the trike wheels would be. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just excited to see if they're coming. Like, I'm going to assume they'll come in packs of three because, yeah. like, most other bikes seem to be, even though that really messes up squad size. Once you hit six, well, blasts start hurting you really badly. <laughs> uh, but no, um, man, I, I'm looking more and more forward to when this finally comes out. Just the art yeah. and the aesthetic, and yeah. Well, it's, yeah, everything it's a, about... Go ahead. Oh, it's just a really interesting like progression on the models, because they even show like the old rogue trader uh trike and then they like here's the you know here's what the new one looks like and i'm like it's just really you can really tell that like when they went into this they've thought about it they have a design aesthetic they have a culture for this army and this this faction in mind and they're building towards that so there's some bits of like imperium technology in here but there's a lot of stuff that we don't see in the imperium and it's like it's not it's not the rogue trader joke of like but what if dwarves were bikers and they rode around on trikes with, you know, high handlebars? It's like, no, okay, how do we take that idea but make it not a joke? <laughs> you know? And right. I think they've done a good job. No, I think they have. Also, uh, they pointed out this is the first uh, female uh, kin that we've seen as yeah. the, the pilot on this particular bike. And uh, the Twitch chat, uh, people were just being like, well, no beard, no purchase. I'm not buying it unless there's a beard. And like, well, it comes in a kits of three. It's like, well, there better be a beard in there somewhere. I, like, what, okay, what dudes, I, specific, I specifically love that. And they're like, well, but squats in the fluff, even female squats have beards. And it's like, guys, GW is saying this is a female squat and she doesn't have a beard. That's the new fluff, guys. Like, I'm sorry. It's their company. They could change the fluff as they go along. It's, it's, it's such, not such like a the fluff hasn't argument. changed many, many, right. many times in many the past. Times. And it's just such a weird To be fair, thing. Leagues of Votan, even though we're, we're probably calling them squat, they aren't exactly the squats. Right. There's, I mean, they've kind of gone their own direction. Right. And they've... they. Well, we'll get it. We'll get to that in a minute, because there's... Right. Yeah, there, there, there's something about that, but... Uh, but yeah, no, the bike looks badass. The the all the the entire design and aesthetic, and we're go and again we're seeing that like the more rounded aesthetic that, that we saw with like the Votan armor. So yeah, yeah, it's like I'm I'm really liking everything about this design, and um, it's a good thing I have enough armies because I don't I don't I'm gonna let you fall on that grenade. Uh, 
Dennis. Well, I, I, I walked into it from many years ago. Yeah, you yeah. did. <laughs> you, you knew it was. But you know, I did not but, know like, it was coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you were re- you were kind of mentally prepped for it. If it if it did, it, so. was, uh, it was the joke mm-hmm. that was never supposed to come to pass. <laughs> right? They weren't supposed to listen to their audience. What the hell? <laughs> And then that takes us to the next thing they revealed is they revealed more information about chapter approved for the second season of 2022, uh, which I'm assuming is going to be coming in June or July, since that would be our half point, halfway Mm -hmm. point through the year. They did make there's a couple of very big changes. So the first off is they're changing how command points are working for matched play, which just crystallizes that match play is now its own environment and not exactly mm-hmm. book like core rulebook 40k which i'm kind of here for because that gets to our conversation from last episode about the idea of match play having its own set of things and then mm-hmm. other formats being a bit different um so they said each Armies will start each game with about half as many po- uh, command points as before, so you have to be more cunning about how you use them. It's far riskier to spend all of your CP on a devastating turn one combo, i.e. Alpha Strike's a problem, we know it's a problem, we've put in too many uh, I- impossible combinations to beat, so mm-hmm. we're going to try to nip that in the bud. I mean, my only yeah. slight concern is, like, for the Knight's Army I'm bringing to Midwest Conquest... Pre-game, I'm using four CP right out of the bat. So depending on yeah. how these changes are, I might not be able to do anything like that again. True, um, but we may also see changes into like in like the command points for like buying detachments. Pre-game, and such. they may. Yeah, I yeah. I think you'll see changes in army construction points. So that, uh, and we already see that a little bit in the existing pack for for building like things like knights and such. So hopefully they'll take that into account. Uh, they do also mention that you will gain extra CP with each battle round. So maybe instead of like just during your command phase, maybe it'll be during every command phase, or maybe it's just doubled up on your command phase, or, or we'll figure out, you know, we'll have to or see what that looks like. Or maybe you gain a number of CP at the start of the battle round equal to the right. turn or battle round number. That very possible. So, so you've got turn more five. at the end of the <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, the idea that, like, near the end of the game, like, you have your, your fixed resources that you start with, and then, yeah, by the end of the game, you've kind of refilled, so you have more options. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they how this all works out. Um, it, this is obviously a big change. Uh, also, they've moved all the secondary objectives, not just the generic secondary objectives and secondary objectives for codexes that don't have secondary objectives like they did in the last in the first Nachman book, but all of them, every army is having their secondary objectives reprinted in this book and in some cases updated in this book to be rebalanced to maybe address some of those those uh, secondary mm-hmm. objectives that are either never take this because it's impossible or you are going to take this every time because it's stupidly easy for your army. Um, yeah, they said some are now harder to score, some are easier, some are completely new. And they're and they mentioned demons and Astro Militarum, who are the last that and Chaos Space Marines, which they don't mention Chaos Space Marines here, so I don't right. know if that means Chaos is coming out alongside this or just before it. No, they just forgot about Chaos Space Marines. 
<laughs> Sorry, they may not have wanted to give a hint. It may not have wanted to give a hint as to when it was going to be released. But uh, look, it, despite the fact that I am super happy with all of the Cast Marine like releases, and we'll talk about the other ones later, um, I still have to find something to be negative about. So that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but I do. But I like having everything in one book so that like you don't have to have somebody else's codex to know what secondary objectives they might take. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I like that a lot. No, I I do like that they're reprinting things like that in a book that everyone's going to need for match play. Like, I kind of hope they include the core rules and the FAQs in there as well. So, like, this is what you would take to an event, and it has your core rules, your mission, you know, your mission setups, your objectives, all that stuff. Like, again, that would be great. That should be what this book is on the regular. It's like just a periodic printing, you know, update of it with all of the FAQs and everything rolled in. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And then we get to what is perhaps the biggest change in how the General's Handbook is handled since they mm-hmm. first started releasing it a few years ago. Points have been removed from the book because all points updates are going to be free from now on. Not only will they be automatically updated in the app as you know, for whatever that's worth, um, they'll be available on the Warhammer community website as a free download, which yep. addresses one of the big issues that people who do not play in tournaments have had. And that's why should I have to buy a copy of this tournament yep. packet to have the points for my army? Because a lot of people don't want to play power level. They want to play points. But this is the yeah. only way to get updated points. And now Games Workshop is addressing that and saying, nope, that's we're just going to release those for free from now on. And... I'm absolutely here for that. I am so glad to yep. see that. And they're doing the same thing for uh, Age of Sigmar as well. I think they said their General's Handbook will have the points in it, but it will also be released as as free. They're kind of transitioning that sure. book. But but no, I, I am really glad. And also, the other thing that makes it easier for them to do is adjust points on the fly. They do not have to wait right. till, uh, uh you know, a, a semi-annual book or try to release a PDF that's like, well, that book that you just bought is now inaccurate. They can just say, like, no, we've updated the points as of this date. So if they can address it, balance issues with that tool faster. So that's good. That's very good. Yeah, I do like that a lot. Yeah, so they, they um, said if you like to play a competitive end and enjoy attending events and tournaments, you'll find the new chapter proof has loads of stuff that freshens up and balances the experience. Or if you just want to access the latest points to play more casually at home, getting access to current points will be easy. And that is, that is good to hear. Yeah, that's good for everybody. And again, like when they do that, like I said, I hope they, they kind of do like almost do like a full points really, you know, release of like, here's the points for just everything. Like here, not mm-hmm. only what we've changed, just here's everything. So that you can grab it and you have one document you don't have to have. Yeah. As we talked last time, you don't have to have multiple books to carry everything around and, like, add in extra pages for new points and stuff like that, so. No, this is the right way to do this. Yeah. And they're, uh, we're slowly moving, slowly GW is moving towards a digital living game future, and yeah, we'll get there. It's, they're, for them, this is a very big move. It very much, very much is. So I do want to point out in that, in that article when they talk about the new chapter approved, they have this awesome new piece of artwork because I'm pretty sure this is new. I've never seen it before. But it's like, uh, you know, Robo Girly Man, and then there's like a bunch of inquisitors and and commissars and stuff in front of him, and he's like, you know, holding counsel. 
there is I will I will point out three things that I think are interesting in this piece of art. There is an inquisitor with like that appears to have like a castellan axe, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool and I hope that's a model we get at some point. Yep. There was like a really cool like ultramarine honor guard that I don't think I've seen before, but he looks really cool and has like his, you know, power sword and stuff. And then he there's looks also like, like Kato Sicarius because he's got that that's, like that transverse crest. That's I've heard other people say that they're like does this mean that maybe we're going to get a new Sicarius model? I'm like that'd be kind of cool. And then there's also like a bear in armor in the background and I don't know what <laughs> that bear. is and I'm excited. <laughs> I hope that's a thing. You want the bear. I just want a bear. Like if you could take a bear as like part of your inquisitorial retinue or something like that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's a bear. It's got a chain around its neck and there's people in front of it holding the chain. So like there's a bear retinue. But but it also looks like he's wearing flak armor. Like I don't understand. It's so weird. I'm like so I was just scanning this artwork. I'm like this is really cool. There's a bear in the background. What? <laughs> wild. Uh I hope that I hope those are things that they actually include in as models going forward because that's dope. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, so, Captain. So, here's the thing Captain Sicarius was the captain of the second company. Yeah. And so now he's the captain of the, the, Vitrix, the Victrix Guard. Um, since technically it's, cons- it's. The books are still unclear on whether or not uh, Marnius Calgar survived his fight with, uh, with right. Abaddon. It is possible. Because, uh, like, artwork of Sicarius, he has that transverse crest. He's got that uh, red cloak over one shoulder. So mm-hmm. it is possible that Sicarius, because, like, supposedly, I guess he's lost in the warp or something, that he comes out of the warp and he takes on the mantle of Chapter Master of the Ultramarines. That is, yeah. I could absolutely see happening. That would be kind of cool. But, yeah, I just thought it was interesting, though. Like, that's some really interesting like hints in artwork hopefully because like there's just some cool shit in there i'm like i like right. this a lot <laughs> and again like the the idea of like an inquisitor with like a giant castellan axe is kind of awesome <laughs> right now that that guy looks badass yeah and, i mean you could probably kit bash something like that but yeah it would be cool to see mm-hmm. a model of that well, all right it, now we're just gonna- in general okay. just in general i approve of more inquisition models so <laughs> yeah all right, now we're going to yank it back over to Chaos for the last parts of the 40K reveal. And uh, this one hits close to home. You get, is this you, you what get something happy to come- feels like? <laughs> is it is it happy or is it... I, that's because I was trying to... I wasn't sure how you were going to quite react oh, to this. For me, it's happy. The, okay, so for the fact that the Chaos Space Marine Codex will not have World Eaters in it. Yeah. And the reason it will not have World Eaters in it is because World Eaters are getting their own uh, their own codex yeah. along the lines of Death Guard and Thousand Sons. And they're going to be getting new models. They've already, like, we don't know how soon, but they've started showing off, like, the renders of the new chain axes, yeah. including a big, like, double length, like, practically mm-hmm. chain glaive. Yeah. Because uh, I think they had a heavy chain axe in one of the kill teams. Yeah. Um. So, like, there's, like, a new option for that, and it's, like, that's absolutely a corn thing. Like, Berserkers will – the Berserker champion will probably have an option to take, like, the big two-handed axe because um, in Horus Heresy, the the Ravenger units 
have an option to take like the big double handed chains chain axe. So I, I absolutely imagine they'll port that over to 40k. Right. And they said uh, they are, one of the things that will be coming with this is a new set of sculpts for corn berserkers. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, they, and in fact, they said the current miniatures have served the Lord of War for decades, claimed plenty of skulls and spilt their share of blood. And now it's time for them to return to the brass citadel and put their feet up. It's time for yeah. them to be retired. Yeah. And they said I, there I, was going to be more than just new berserkers. Like there was going to be some new units for this so army. So going as well. yeah, going off of the way that um the Death Guard and Thousand Sons codexes work, Angron's coming. Like that's gonna happen. They're gonna get that's that, gonna that be the big centerpiece model. Um yeah. they're gonna get their own version of Cultus, which may be may just be like beefy dudes with hand weapons, or it could be like uh, demon, you know, some demon infused like blood letter hybrid thing, which would be kind of cool. Or, you know, be yeah. like, it could just be based gores or something like that. They'll get their own dedicated Terminator unit, which, so Red Butchers, which is freaking awesome. They will probably get, I, I got to imagine that they'll probably get some specialist, uh, some specialist units, um, like elites or, or heavy support or something like that. That'll probably like infantry, like with, Maybe like an option to take a unit with all of like the big double handed chain axes or something. Um, they will probably get a demon engine, you know, a some corn specific demon engine. So maybe a blood slaughter, um, you know, gets or ported even over just from a chaos World. beast like the mutilith vortex beast for yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah like, so I, I, mean, could, I could see them going the Death Guard uh, way of getting like some sort of demon engine, or going just the give me give me a warp beast of some sort. Yeah, because like because like the slaughter beast, which is the the other half of the Mutalex Vortex Beast would totally work. It would be really confusing for me because I have one converted for my corn demon kin army, but I can make it work. Um, right. <laughs> um, no, I, I am beyond excited for this. Uh, this is something I've wanted for ever since they took away my corn demon kin codex. This is something I've wanted. So, um, yeah, I so am. Basically, I am super you're going stoked. to get like a new variant of corn demon kin, and I would not be surprised Absolutely. if it's got some sort of kill tally since they won't have psychic powers there'll be some sort of kill tally i bet like you know corn blood tithe points are back yes if they if they bring that some if they bring that mechanic back that would be amazing and would be a great way to because i loved the how the army scaled as you played you built up that blood tithe and your army got better and gained buffs and like made it made it easier to kill like and also it supported it was it was good mechanically but it was fluffy because it didn't matter if your units died, you got points for that as well. And like, that's fluffy as hell. Where it's like, no, I'm going to wildly throw these berserkers into this unit. And if they get flat assed, that's fine. I still get something out of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm beyond excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to be over here crying in Emperor's Children. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, that's the one that doesn't get mentioned and should get its own codex. Yeah, they should also get their own codex. I, I, I do agree. Um, I <sighs> I am sad like I, I I am sad about that, but I'm also glad that they made sure to say that hey, if you're going to be playing World Eaters until like the new Cast Space Marine Codex is going to come out, it won't have World Eaters. World Eaters isn't going to be out for a few months after that. There's going to yep. be a stretch of time when you can't play World Eaters purely out of that book. They said White Dwarf will have an update that will let you play World yeah. Eaters. It will give you rule for Karn, Berserkers, and like everything you need to make that book work until you get your new codex. So yeah. 
Which I, I like I'm that. glad that's, they that's made good. sure to they, they were very proactive about that because the last thing you want to do is like, yeah, you get a new codex, but you can't play your faction well, for like six months. <laughs> well, so like it is I find it interesting because I know we've talked about this kind of off mic, whatever, but we're kind of surprised how fast some of the some of the details for Leagues of Votan are coming because we're like, oh, it'll be next year. And then like, oh, shit, they've already showed off two models and stat lines. Here's, I'm here's comp- still thinking into summer, hopefully. Sure. But like, it's just, it's like, oh, this might be sooner than we expected. Or like, they're further down the line than we expected. They're already showing off models. Here's how far down the line they are with world leaders. They're showing renders of weapons. So I don't think they're as far down the line on world leaders as they are leagues of Votan. So I think they're going to come first. This might be a, this might be a decent wait before world leaders get their own codex, but I'm fine with that. As long as the codex, you know, as long as it's a cool codex, so. Right. And I, I imagine it will be. I mean, Thousand Suns yeah. and, and uh, Death Guard have been really good, so. Well, they're I'm, just fun I'm, and fl- they're fluffy to play. Like, that's what's really cool. Yeah. And, like, that's what I want is, like, this is going to play, like, what a World Eaters army should play like. And that's way more important to me of, like, oh, then it's, you know, good. Whoever's like, is it mechanically satisfying to play? And. I think this is going to be. I'm super excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, which means I'm not. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see this either winter or early 2023, which means my Emperor's children are probably not getting updated until late 2023. So, yeah, that's that sucks. Yeah. Well, or, I'll, or in I'll, a I'll next edition. <laughs> so so summer 2023. <laughs> Uh, yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> I I just want I want new noise marine sculpts and fulgrim. Is that too much to ask? Apparently, yes. Apparently, right yes. <laughs> Apparently, yes. That is. Uh, no, they, they desperately there's need a, new noise marines. There, there's one noise marine out there right now. <laughs> yeah, the old the old throwback one with the guitar. That's not the one I yeah. want. I want. He's I awesome. Want more, I want more. I want the cacophony brought back, like plastic yeah. sculpts of those. Yeah, because here's the thing: if the, depending on how compatible those parts are, like I would actually buy a few boxes of Noise Marines and put them on some of the uh, Horse Heresy bodies, so I could play my Emperor's Children in both games. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right, then uh, one last Chaos reveal for 40k proper, and that is the new Chaos Prince model, which we had already seen this leaked for. Uh, Age of Sigmar, and then people are like, well, is this going to be compatible with uh, 40K? And they're like, yes, it will contain parts to make it a 40K Chaos Prince. Yeah. Um, It's definitely, like, it's got some vibes of the plastic, the current plastic Chaos, you know, Demon Prince, and some remnants of, like, the older, like, metal slash fine cast ones, but updated. Yeah. Now, I will say this. This is like the first Demon Prince model that I've seen that GW makes that I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I like this because <laughs> I don't particularly like the current Demon Prince model. But like this guy looks kind of chunky. He looks, you know, sufficiently mutated. Like, yeah, I, I like the head options. You So you've got, you know, head options for the different four gods. Like, I, I just like this. I like the sculpt. Yeah, I, I will agree with you on that, Kevin. And the only thing I, I don't like is I, I still like other like people's demon princes that for, mm-hmm. for different factions, like Slanesh, I, this fits because you've got all the heavy armor and whatnot, but I'm like, yeah, I still like others better, but I do like the fact that this matches all four because with the pretty much a, mostly just a head swap. So yep. it, it, I think it fits, but it's probably not for me. 
Yeah. That's fair. Like I said, I still prefer the third a lot of the third party demon princes just because you can get more you know, more specific into like a god and like have a demon prince that looks more slaneshi or looks more corny. Um Nurgly. <laughs> Yeah, and like, yeah, and like, I, I will say this, the exception for the current GW Demon Princes is I really do like the Nurgle one, even though it's fine cast. Like, that's really, a really good looking, like, Nurgle Demon Prince. But yeah, yeah I like, agree. I just, I tend to like the third party miniatures for Demon Princes a lot more. I don't know, I just, that's just kind of the way I've always thought, I just like those better. But this is good. I, it's a good update on the current one, and I, I like it, I like it more than the current one. <laughs> so... And while you don't see it in these photos, if you click, there's like a link early on in the article saying the new Demon Prince goes over to the uh, the one that they showed off for Age of Sigmar about a yep. week earlier. And you can see what the wings look like on that and yeah. uh, like see the Age of Sigmar variant of it and what it looks like with like the, the axe instead of a sword. And so like it's it, it's going to be interesting that this kit can do dual purpose for both games and like because you look at the 40k version of it and it's like full-on power armor and everything it's like it yeah. looks like a 40k model so the number of parts in this case and like you can give them like the like hoofed feet if you want yeah and it looks like those legs would go equally well with the power armor sets like there's a lot of flexibility in how this what parts you can combine for this kit. So there's, you're still going to be able to do like demon, like there's going to be a lot of variations of demon prince with this, Mm -hmm. which is cool. And it definitely matches the newer aesthetic they're going for. But no, I do agree that like, there's a lot like, especially creature caster. I mean, creature caster does some fantastic like heralds and demon princes. Um, you know, and so there's, but the sculpts on this are, look like they're going to be, really well detailed yeah. but yeah i i wish they like the de- the nurgle option was more than just a head swap like it needs to right. be a, like they need a little bit more to do with that mm-hmm. but like for like for corn i think this works just fine yeah like you put that no, corn head that. on it it's fine the and, and even the uh like the the zinch head i think needs more going on with the body than just mm-hmm. this body but yeah, I would agree with that. I, I will also say, um, since I just clicked on the link that you you, know, you mentioned to, to look at the Slaves of Darkness one for Sigmar, the head option for the Sigmar one is freaking terrible. That is a god awful yeah. head sculpt. That is, <laughs> that is not that is not the one I would have I would have let off with because <laughs> it's it's bad. It looks really bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the Great Book of British Smiles. <laughs> Jeez. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that bad. that is that is a not a great not a great sculpt for that head. I'm surprised. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm like they should have shown this head in both cases and not that right. one. But yeah, that completes the Warhammer 40k specific reveals. Then we're, we're going to pop over to skirmish games for a couple of things. First off, new kill team box shown off, and the big thing there is uh, Militarum Traitoris. We get Chaos yeah. Guard. A couple of the well, models are are repacks from the Trader Command set for uh, mm-hmm. Blackstone Fortress, but the others, even though they follow the same aesthetic as the uh, Trader Guardsmen from the original Blackstone Fortress box, they are not the same sculpts. They're new. Yeah, they look cool. <laughs> I, I will say this: I 
because uh, I know that it's like it's it's an infantry kit, so you can kit it out a bunch of different ways. I think it was weird that they chose to have like the chaos plasma gunner be like the old guy with the gray beard because um, plasma gunners don't live that long. <laughs> Like, Maybe they handed it to him because gunners. he's expendable. <laughs> Maybe, but it's I like, just thought that was old, I thought that was a weird choice anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, I really like things. Um and this is kind of where I guess I mentioned with like the cultists having kind of a different vibe than the the old cultist models. This kind of fills that gap a little bit because the old cultists felt like they were more of like, you know, guys in like armored stuff like that like the 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 one guy that was like clearly a former commissar and stuff like that i think that this is kind of an an interesting middle ground because like obviously these are you know definitely guardsmen but they're chaosed up and they've got you know spikes and all that stuff so i I think these are going to fit right in well with the other the other models from blackstone or if you want to use them like as cultist models they'll fit right in there as well so i'm excited for this so with all the cultist stuff we're getting and all the body horror stuff we're getting, and now we're getting a box, because you know this will be a standalone box eventually. Yep. We're going to have Trader Guardsmen. How long is it before we actually get, like, a Lost in the Damned Codex supplement? Hopefully, actually, you know what, I'll go ahead and call it. Hopefully before we get a, a, a Emperor's Children Codex. <laughs> no, so uh, mean. I asked for that. I you asked did. for that. You I did. walked right you know into what? that one. And you know what? I paused for a moment because I wasn't sure I was gonna, I wanted to go there, but I was like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> I don't get many there. opportunities like that. I don't get many opportunities like that. You set me up. Um, I could see Lost in the Damned being like a really good launch for next edition, you know, whenever that is, mm-hmm. if that's hopefully not next summer, but, you know, down the line, I could see that being like a, a another faction to kind of introduce or codify in the new edition of the game. Right. No, I, I, th- I think that would be good. Or even if they release a supplement, like, release the Guard Codex and then release a supplement after that, like, maybe in a campaign book or something that, yeah. like, adds adds this as a regiment you could play but changes the keywords yeah. out from, like, Imperium to Chaos. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, kind of like what they did with um, Gene Sealer Colts. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, the other thing uh, I could potentially see yeah. is i wonder if these if this unit or these units because there's three basically i wonder if these will just be in the marine codex you know the chaos marines codex as an option could be so yeah it'll be interesting to see how that how that gets worked in but uh definitely was not expecting to see trader guard as a kill team but i'm again it's one of those things like I, i'm totally here for that and, and should you know want to encourage that kind of thing and i imagine the people who like playing trader guard back in the day are really happy to see that just like the people who play death core krieg were really happy to see plastic kriegs you know guardsmen absolutely well and then i think you you also there's also the highlight of this box which is you know more space marines with an upgrade spray. yeah yeah, it's the infiltrator incursor kit with an upgrade sprue. Um, I could care less about the Phobo Strike team. Yep. Um, although, <laughs> although I will say, I know he's supposed to be pointing, but the sergeant looks like he's dabbing, which is just. Sigh. I mean, no, that's fine. I think that's fine. We should totally have the dab marine. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like he's dabbing now that you mention it. I didn't yeah. even pick up on that. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, now you can't unsee it. Now I can't unsee it. <laughs> And they're releasing in a box with like all the new uh, Fronteras terrain that they yeah. recently dropped. So, like you know what, I this box I might pick up. Like I don't really care about the Phobos Marines, although I can work them into my Blood Angels. That's fine. Sure. 
but I definitely want the Trader Guardsmen to combine with the ones from Blackstone Fortress and and terrain's I, good. and the train the train's great. So I might pick up this box just to have that stuff. So it it would be worth it to me to get that because yeah, like I have Blackstone Fortress, so I have all those old Trader Guardsmen. I actually have the Trader Command box, although I've never built it. So this just would be another yeah. I'm gonna pick up a guard army, aren't I? God damn it. <laughs> But it's chaos. Nice. So it, it was going to be oh, so Kev's normal guard and, and Rob's chaos. Kev's imper- yeah, yeah. Kev's <sighs> in the loyalist guard, and I'm going to be traitor guard. Haha. Ha. And I've and I've got five. <laughs> yeah, I, I have like Zeno's three guard. boxes of Kriegers that I need to put together. Oh yeah, and, and Richard is Zenos guard. So that makes yeah. me leaks a Voton guard. Yeah, that works. We should just we should have just at some point get the four of us together and just bring two thousand points of guard infantry. <laughs> Just rank like, them up together between trays. the four of us. No, like each of or us each. bring two thousand each. So you bring two thousand points of Imperial Guard infantry or, or Chaos Guard infantry. I'll bring two thousand points of Imperial Guard infantry. Uh, Richard brings two thousand points of Gene Stealer Colt infantry. We'll figure out something for Dennis. But literally, then just have like okay, eight thousand points of Imperial Guard just slap fighting each other on a table. <laughs> Movement trays and everything. Oh, Who God. says you can't play <laughs> Warhammer Fantasy anymore? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a horrible idea, Kevin. <laughs> I do like the three that the three of you have different guard uh, options now. <laughs> and what's funny yeah. is we're still not going to be able to talk about guard intelligibly. <laughs> <laughs> we might be able to get there once upon a time. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there go. They, you know, I I tried to build a guard army a while back, and apparently it's booming, boomeranging around back to me once I finished yeah. the uh, you know craft world waifu and everything. So <laughs> I got I got time, but I'm just I I'm uh, gonna be doing a lot of painting, a lot of painting. Anyway, moving on. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And so now we get over to Necromunda. Don't really care about all the Ashways stuff, but instead, uh, squats, actual squats, squats, squats. not, not leagues of Otan squats. They used to be leagues of Otan hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but they've been, they've been living on Necromunda so long that they're not really part of the leagues and they're just squats. Right. Mirror shades. Like, it's so great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the weird round like mining helmets and mirror shades. Ah, oh, it's so good. These are, yeah, these are like the throwback to classic squats, and I love it. <laughs> and I, I think it's very interesting as well that they're explicitly like, hey, these guys, these squats are slightly different because you know they were separated, so they're kind of filling in the gaps of like the old squat line and the new squat line or the new leagues of Otan, and they're like, no, these guys were just you know. These guys are different. They developed on a slightly different path. That's why they look like this. And that's why all of those old Rogue Trader models look that way, because they were also kind of separate and did this and evolved their own way. But now here's the new stuff. Um, I just think it's very cool. I, I think it's a, an, an intelligent way to kind of tie it all together. Plus, these models just look cool. <laughs> right. And, you know, there's a line they say, like, while they're not part of the leagues, we'd sure they'd still get on with the kin who are all grumbling about the Eldari while sitting in the pub. And I'm like... So does that mean the old, these will be playable, like playable as a unit in the leagues of Votan army? Because that would be kind of cool. <laughs> Probably not. We haven't seen anything from Necromunda officially poured over to 40k. Um, We've seen it the other that, way, where like cultists yeah. and gene stealer cults went over, but yeah, not the other so, way. So around, maybe. So. But honestly, here's the thing: let them like, be their own thing. <laughs> 
let them be their own thing. But these are going to be great models to help, like, convert up for Leagues of Votan stuff. Because, again, like, the armor they're wearing compared to the one um, Hernkin or whatever, like, or, uh, you know, the, the main line troop that we've seen, pretty similar. Different helmet designs. Um, but, like, you could do a head swap, maybe, you know, swap out some of the weapons or whatever if they need to. And, like, it, this seems like this would be kind of a good way to like convert up a squats army to like throw things in and get some interesting weapons or some interesting like armor designs in into that army mm-hmm. so i like that there's that flexibility going forward yeah now th- these look cool um and yeah while they are for necromunda if you are digging squats and again i am i'm impressed that they're just like yeah nope squats are still a thing we didn't get rid of them either they're just different um <laughs> yeah no that's cool I will. I, I absolutely will be. Uh, one hundred. I am one hundred percent certain, though, that in the Leagues of Otan Codex, there will be a story about one of the homeworlds getting devoured by Tyranids. Like that, they'll still keep that piece of canon. It just was like, oh, they just all didn't die, just this one. And I'm like, all right, cool. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I can totally see that. But yeah, I, I'm. That's cool. Those guys. Those guys look cool. <laughs> right, then we're gonna switch ahead to what was covered Saturday, so yesterday as of recording time, and we're gonna go over the horse heresy stuff because we do want to talk about it because I think there's some mm-hmm. potential impacts for 40k. Obviously, like all these models would be compatible with 40k, and we've got Forge World rules for the old, um, you know, for, like all the old war machines and vehicles and such. So it makes sense. Like this will be compatible. Um, we got some more details on the Age of Darkness box set. That is the box that is going to contain the Plastic Spartan and the new Contemptor Dread, which is like mm. hyperposable and includes a whole bunch of different weapon options rather than just the do you want Melta or Chain Gun for plastic. Uh, so they showed off, you know, the more of the, the Beakies, the Mark VI armor. Uh, they showed off, the, you know, close ups of the two Praetors who are absolutely extra, as extra as they can be. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> the Contemptor Dread, which, again, uh, they revealed this, I think, last week. Yeah, uh, that yeah. With, like, you can put a Havoc missile launcher on it. They can have, like, dual auto cannons or a LAS cannon, melt-a-guns, uh, heavy bolters. And when they the mentioned that, like, there's a... Yeah, the joints are all posable. Like, there's a ball joint for the, the torso. The legs are posable. So, like, it it won't just be the same static Dreadnought pose that you had before, which is great. Right. So no, it's it's a much better contemptor dread. It's it's basically as posable as the like Forge World ones, just done in plastic. So mm-hmm. that is very cool. And then of course the Spartan, the plastic Spartan just looks fantastic. And plastic cataphracty terminators again. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's going to be the same kit just re released. I because I can't imagine they would have to redesign I- it much. I think they said uh I think they did confirm when they were talking about it on stream, I think that was the same kit. The, the, the existing which one. is fine like that yeah which the, totally the existing fine. kit was totally fine yeah yeah no like i um, like the cataphractic terminator armor like i think it's really cool <laughs> so and goddamn that rule book reminds me of why i don't why i don't miss seventh edition <laughs> yeah that's a chonky book it's a chonky boy <laughs> yeah and templates and whippy sticks the whippy return sticks. of whippy sticks <laughs> <sighs> and a scattered eye Hey, and a non-potato cam version of that shot of the box set that we've been seeing for months. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and, no, I'm excited and coming for this. in at un- at under three hundred dollars is, is right. what they promised. Two hundred pounds, two ninety nine. It'll be two ninety nine. <laughs> I'm voting two eighty. 
Now, honestly, like even at even at three hundred dollars, if that is you know if it is two ninety nine or whatever, honestly, this is still a ridiculous deal for the amount of you get in here. Um, well, I mean, the Spartan's going to be like a ninety dollar kit at least. Yeah. Well, the plastic. current static pose contemptor's a sixty dollar kit. So, right. like, right so, there, you've gotten half the value, and then you're getting one, two, three, four, five. Terminator box for making ten Terminators is, like, yeah. two, two Terminator boxes is, like, a hundred bucks. Is a hundred so. bucks. You're getting five five infantry squads, which those are going to be, you know, current well, you infantry four. squads. Or is it four? Well, there, it's, there's 40 Marines oh, I guess in it's there, four. and yeah, that's going 40. to be okay. – and that gets us to another thing. They're releasing those in boxes of 20. So, that's right. two of those boxes. We don't know how much that's going to be, but – well, but like the current Mark III, Mark IV armor boxes are, I believe, like 45 for 10. So mm-hmm. if you just take that times four, like you're already like well over the value of what the box, you know, what the price is. And then, yeah. And then you've got two, two unique characters and the rule book and stuff like that. Like this is going to be, it's going to be an expensive starter box, but like it's a great value. And it's a, it is a starter box that you can either, I, because it is Legion agnostic, you can either mm-hmm. buy this yourself and have a great starter army for, yeah. for Heresy, or easily split it with somebody, you know, mm-hmm. the way they kind of picture it on the box. So the downside is you'd only get one rule book. Also, that rule book's going to be like a $70, $80 book, you know, standalone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, th- what you're getting is actually a really good deal. It's, it does feel like a big outlay, although for a lot of like people who currently play Horus Heresy, they don't need this because they'll have a lot of this already. But it is a great entry point for getting into it. And that's enough to really get a good go with rather than like the starter yeah. boxes we have in the past where it's like, oh, yeah, you get like 500 points worth of stuff or a thousand, you know, maybe a thousand points if you're lucky. This feels more akin to the uh, the holiday special boxes, like the holiday yeah. army boxes, than than like an actual like forty k starter thing, and like yeah, those those run between two you know two fifty and three hundred bucks, but like it's most it's most of what you need for a full army, and this is this is mostly what you need for a full army. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, no, I, I think it's cool. I, I'm I'm. I'm down for it. I mean, will I pick it up? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's possible I wait and just get the stuff that I, you know, once the boxes themselves release, but that's, that's more of, uh, I gotta be careful with my budget for the rest of the year than anything else. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's definitely a great deal. And it's definitely, it's not a, it's not going to be a cheap game to get into. I mean, 40 K isn't for that matter. Right. But, <laughs> But like, okay, you consider what does two combat patrols get you? This is, and that's one hundred and forty dollars each. Yep. This is way more than you get in two combat patrols. So if you look at it from that standpoint, it's it's a lot, and it's going to be, uh, you know, it, it's a lot that you get for that price. So uh, it's it, it is financially a good deal if you want to get into Horus Heresy. Um, and see, then they also showed off more releases for Horus Heresy. Uh, two separate army books, one for uh, the Astartes, one for Hereticus, and they did say that each of those books would have, like, the same generic stat lines in them. So, like, it, you don't have, like, a, a standard army book that covers all Space Marines and then a separate book that you get for either Loyalist or Heretic. You just buy one of these and it'll have everything that you need to play those factions. Mm-hmm. 
And that will include the rules for all the traitor legions, their rights of war, their primarchs, the legion-specific units. So you don't have to buy, like, a separate Forge World book for, like, like how they had the campaign books where it's like, well, here's the campaign book that covers this legion, and here's the campaign campaign book that covers that legion or the the red books they did later that collected everything but you still had to have like two or three of them to play everything so it is all collected so that's good that is you know it's a much easier way to make the armies accessible um and they basically said these books will be the definitive guide to those armies which also tells me they're maybe not going to release a lot of a lot of brand new stuff there will be some new stuff as we'll get into in a bit but Mm -hmm. uh that this will basically because I think they are seeing this like there'll be model rollouts, but I think there's they see this kind of as a game that is the universe is closed because the horse heresy stuff has all been done pretty much up until the siege of Terra. But um, the game is still like they can release new stuff for the game, get stuff out in mm-hmm. plastic, still do new resin models um, and uh and let this because they're they're looking at this as more of a specialist or boxed game like Necromunda is rather than at least that's the way it's being presented right now. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then they, they show the uh, the Mark six box, which will be in 20, 20 Marine units and same thing with the Mark three and Mark four boxes. So you can do those big like you can either do 10 man tactical squads or do the big like 20 man blob squads that were possible then uh, hmm. the the special characters from Burning from Prospero will be released separately. So if you want a pre-dust Aramon or a uh, Gregor Fellhand, the Space Wolf, you, you'll be able to get those separately for the first time. Uh, let's see. And then they get into like, well, those boxes that have the tactical Marines just have tactical Marines. Like there's no special weapons other than like plasma pistols. And like, well, where do you get that? Well, you have to remember... In Horus Heresy, like if you had a Devastator squad, it was all heavy weapons. It wasn't just like a few guys with heavy weapons. It was like 10 guys with heavy weapons. Or mm-hmm. a support squad would have 10 guys with flamers or 10 guys with meltas. And so they are releasing upgrade sets that will basically contain like here's a set of weapons and there's 10 of each in the box. So you want plasma rifles? This box has 10 plasma rifles and 10. It's like plasma Melta, Flamer. I had to stop myself from saying Flamer. Flamer! <laughs> Flamer! Uh, ten uh, rotor cannons, like the kinds that you see, like the rotary yeah. chain guns that like Chaos Marines can take. Um, yeah. Ten Volkite calivers and ten Volkite chargers. So that's one box. Then there's the box that has just ten heavy bolters and ten old-school missile launchers. You've got the box that is ten Flamers, or like heavy flamers, multi meltas, or plasma cannons, and then a box that is ten las cannons, auto cannons, and volkite culverins. And again, these are all miniature agnostic and fit really well with the plastic mark. Th- they show them with the beakies, but I imagine they will work with the mark. Th- yeah, with the mark work with the other ones as well. Well, so it's interesting is in the existing uh, Mark th- Mark Three and Mark Four boxes of infantry, they contain some special weapons, like you know some of these things already. But I kind of noticed when I was going through those that like all of the special weapons are on their own sprue. So I'm pretty sure that like the price on the um, 
the 20-man boxes may not necessarily be double what the 10-man squad is, because I doubt that you're going to get those extra sprues with, like, the special weapons. So it'll just be the bodies and the bolt guns, but it'll be that doubled. So you're going to get 20 models, but rather than it being, you know, like I said, I think it's currently 50 for the unit of 10, rather than being 100, it might be 80, but you don't get the special weapons, you have to go buy the separate. But I like that things are all available as uh, as as special buy you know add-ons because then you can buy these and mix them into existing tax squads or you know chaos marine squads so like i do i do like that the weapons are separate yeah it, 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 i wasn't expecting them to sell it this way but it is it, it's it fits the setting it fits how those armies are built without having to release like you said sprues where it's like oh and here's like everything so you can make all yeah. of this off of one massive box which would yeah would be like 100 115 easily if they threw all the sprues in that yep. contained all the extra weapons to make these legal squads for horse heresy but i also like the fact that, like you could pick up like the special weapons upgrade set and then seed those into like a chaos marine army absolutely assuming that the the arms work and just have have rotor cannons and plat like old school plasma guns and stuff like that so now i'm, yeah. I'm i think that's cool um and then uh We've got uh, the the confirmed, which means I'm definitely buying a couple for my Death Guard, as I said last episode, yeah. the plastic uh, Demos Pattern Rhinos. Yeah. Which will have, cool. yeah, the Mark II <laughs> driver up top with, like, heavy, looks like heavy bolter, multi-melta, or a Havoc launcher. Or you can do the dual, instead of, like, twin-linked bolters, like a storm bolter, it's two single bolters like is it's yeah. very much an upscaled version of the old old plastic kit which then was redone in resin and now is being redone in plastic which is totally fine Pla yeah. this is a kit like that it. probably should have been plastic the whole time <laughs> yeah but yeah i like it and they, they even mentioned that it kind of is going to pull design cues off of the uh the sisters rhino because like the sisters rhino has like those demos pattern doors and stuff like that so it's neat that they're, even though they're kind of moving away from Rhinos as the mainline Space Marine vehicle, because they're moving to Primaris, they're still using the Rhino in other areas and, and still using it for other things, which is great. Right. And then finally, they did reveal another, some, this is something that is brand new. Uh, it's the Kratos heavy, heavy assault tank, which has, it's built similarly to a Sicarian or a Fellblade. The way mm -hmm. the it's got those extended tread sponsons, but it's not it's not as big as a fell blade, but it's bigger than a Sakaran. And uh it it's unclear, like from the video and the article, I'm unclear on whether this is plastic or resin. I'm hoping it's plastic because it is a generic tank. Yeah. I think it's plastic. I'm pretty sure this could be plastic. But yeah, you're right. I guess they never point out that it's actually if it's plastic or resin, but Everything else they're releasing for this is plastic, so I gotta imagine this is gonna be plastic too. Yeah, one would think. I mean, and like again, Legion specific stuff will still be resin, but this isn't. So I would hope that it is in plastic. Um, but I mean, it looks nice. It's a it's a heavy tank with uh, a number of turret options. The fact that it has all those turret options and like the heavy bolter or like Volkite sponsons. It tells me that it is probably plastic because normally Forge World kits don't include options like that stock. You buy like mm. a variant of it that has that particular layout. Yeah. So no, I th I I think it will be plastic. It's cool looking. Oh, so I will say that's kind of weird. Like they also listed out the the um, 
stat line for the weapons. And it's really weird to see 7th edition stat lines again. Because <laughs> they're like, AP5. Shouldn't that be minus 5? No, it's not. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that's That was a little bit of a weird, like... I'm like, what? No. Oh, no, that's right. I have to think 7th edition. <laughs> God, I haven't thought about AP like that in enough right. years that I'd have to I'd have to relearn it. <laughs> exactly. I was like, ah, dislike that. I dislike that edition. But anyway, yeah. I thought that was I thought that was kind of a I had that moment when I was I'm like, wait a minute. Or like I saw like large blast 5 inches and I'm like, but what? No, that Oh, that's right. They use templates still. <laughs> <laughs> pinning weapons. Remember pinning weapons? <laughs> Oh, no, I tried to forget. I did try to forget. Even when I read over that, I skipped over pinning because I was like, nope, screw it. I'm just that's I memory hold that. I don't need that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, it it's it's a big old hair Sierra tank. So we'll we'll see more about that. And I imagine that there will be 40K rules for it eventually as re- oh, for uh, sure. you know, the relic Kratos. Yeah, because they did mention that, like, it's not ubiquitous on the 40k battlefield but they do still exist so i uh, yeah right. we're gonna get yeah. 40k rules for it and oh, it'll sure. exist on every competitive table <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not hopefully it's not that good right. i mean i don't want right. it to be bad but i don't want it to be that good that right. it's everywhere <laughs> and that i think is all the news and new releases that has been specific to 40k or or things that are close enough to 40k that we would cover them um Otherwise, the only other thing is knights are up for pre-order as of yesterday, so that's why yep. we're telling you about knights in the second yeah, part yeah. of the show. Um, but yeah, that's that has been that's the news that is, that is all of it, and uh, it's a lot. That's, there's a, there's a lot to look forward to. It's some really cool stuff coming down the pipe, and yeah, it's going back a bit. It's unclear as to how soon we're going to have leagues of Voton because yeah, they're way further along on that line than they kind of intimated. It's not like the year of learning, uh, uh, the year of redesign of Battle Sisters, where they're like le- leaking things out. Like here's here's renders we're doing, but we're not ready yeah. to show you models yet. They're like, nope, we've got models built and painted and ready to show you, which means my like, oh, uh, <laughs> probably within six months. Yeah, that would be my guess. Which is exciting. That's really yeah. exciting. Which, you know, within uh, six months still is like October. Could Yeah. You know, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and that still puts my deadline out that for Renegade, I, if it's out in time, I'm going to try and do a League of Votan army for it. Yeah. That would be cool. That would be dope. <laughs> and normally this would take us over to listener mail, but we don't have any this episode. So if you want to send in a letter, we'd love to get your feedback. First off on last episode where we talked about, you know, is 40K getting too complex? And like, I'd really love to hear people come back uh, and either you know say yes it is or no it isn't or give their reasons and how they're feeling about it tell me uh, how wrong i am <laughs> or how wrong i am i'm 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 open to like maybe we're all wrong and it's somewhere completely different i don't know but uh <laughs> we're all, we're all we, wrong but in weird ways <laughs> yeah or what you think about the new reveals like are you interested in the new weird body horror direction that chaos is taking um what are you thinking about like the actual return of actual honest to goodness squats should rob start a traitor guardsman army god please say no yes yeah it's gonna be a yes i know Uh, but if you want to if you want to write into us with that or any other topic uh there are three good ways to do that first off is you can email us email us at uh our first names at preferredenemies.com so rob at kevin at dennis at richard at preferredenemies.com or our first names one word at preferredenemies.com uh (laughs) second is facebook we are at facebook.com slash preferred enemies you can like us there follow us and get updates on like when episodes are coming out what we're working on things like that uh third is uh 
Twitter. We are at twitter.com slash preferred enemy. And we take uh, letters and questions from all those three sources, collate them together, put them in the hopper, and get through as many as we can in an episode. Obviously, this episode, the hopper is empty. So if you want to get your letter on next episode, now is the time to get it in. Uh, also, uh, if you want to help support the show, we do have a Patreon. Now, if, obviously, if you have the means to support us, we ask that you use your wargaming powers for awesome first and uh, help support charities and causes in your local area and the greater world abroad. But if after that you still want to help support the show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash preferred enemies. And, uh, that's our online tip jar. We don't lock any of our, op- uh, we don't lock any of our episodes behind a paywall. So if you just want to help support the show and that pays for things like our host, web hosting, our recording service, replacing, uh, microphones when they go bad and covering costs or at least helping to defray the costs of traveling to various events to, for playing. And so we can cover those events for you that really helps out and even if it's just a dollar a month if enough people put in a dollar it really does help out it is managed to keep our show more or less cost neutral so which has been which we've really appreciated because um it just helps us continue to be able to do this so we really appreciate all the help so again that's patreon that again that's patreon.com slash preferred enemies uh we're gonna go ahead and take a break for sponsor identification and when we come back we're gonna tell you about 10 things you should know about the new knight codexes both imperial and chaos see you in a bit miniatures we build them we paint them we love them that's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely and that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, And when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main topic, which is 10 things you need to know about Chaos and Imperial Knights. 
Uh, we'll be talking about 10 things to know about these upgraded codexes. But as always, we will start off with the fluff background on what are knights and how does a knight become either imperial or chaos. And this goes back to the early days of human expansion throughout the galaxy in which uh, humans you know, created new colonies and they had brought technology, including these standard template constructs of uh, you know that technology that has been lost to time in many cases that the Mechanicus loves to get their hands on. And on some worlds, they had the STCs to be able to build what they called night suits, which are not suits in like any standard, like they're giant vehicles, they're mechas, like the smallest ones, the armagers are still big. But uh, they were able to build these in on some worlds, which would help them survive, because some of the worlds were very hostile, whether because of the conditions, like the geo geological and weather conditions uh, uh, on the world itself, or maybe it was full of hostile flora and fauna, but they, they found like these night suits would help them survive. And, but you know, they didn't, weren't able to make a whole ton of them necessarily. So like only certain people would be able to pilot them. And the suits have what they called the throne mechanicus in each. And the throne is basically a full body. Like you put on a suit and then you sit down in this, this seat that has like all these neural plugs and connects to you. And so that you control the suit as though it is an extension of your body. But one of the things about the throne is the thrones much in the way we talk about machine spirits in a lot of 40 K the thrones have personalities of their own. And that like there was a whole ritual called there's a ritual called the ritual of becoming where you are basically sat in an idle throne mechanicum before you become an official night pilot. And this you basically spend like 24 hours in the throne. And afterwards, did you go crazy or not? Because if you went crazy, you're not up to the task. But if you didn't, congratulations, you have proven yourself worthy because the night suits don't. They're very particular about who rides in them, apparently. And they pick up, through memory transfer, they pick up the personalities and memories, in some cases, of the other pilots who have ridden them before. So over time, the suits get more and more personality, and you can kind of commune with the ancestor, the ancestral pilots of the suit. And a strange side effect of these suits is that the people who would ride in them would become more authoritarian and also more focused on chivalry, which is weird, but let's go with it. <laughs> and uh, so they would actually end up like they would kind of separate themselves from other worlds and become these like insular little feudal kingdoms where they were run by knights and monarchs. Only the knights were where were knights because they had the knight suits. And rather, instead of just being people in armor on horseback, they were knights in night in like night Titans. And as the Imperium came out of the, the dark ages, you know, the, the great night and uh, started finding these worlds that were run by knights. Well, the Mechanicus, the early Mechanicus was very interested in getting their hands on that standard template construct technology. And so in some cases they would make deals with these knight households to bring them like, we will provide you the technology and means to keep your knights functioning. If you give us the extra technology you have, 
And so that is why there's a number of these night, nightly houses that have signed up with the Mechanicum, and others decided to just ally themselves with the Imperium of Man. So there are sub-factions. There's the Questor Imperialis and Questor Mechanicus how, uh, houses of knights, depending on whether they signed with the Imperium or the 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 Mechanicus. And in some cases, like uh, the House Tyrannus actually formed on Mars. It is the oldest knight house, because that's where knights were originally developed. But... Over time, sometimes nights go wrong. Uh, there are sometimes it's just because, like I said, the throne mechanicus will sometimes make people like some people don't survive the ordeal. Some people go mad. Some people maybe only go very slightly mad. But over time, that adds up. And as you get more and more people who maybe couldn't handle that particular night very well, um, it starts picking up these slightly more tortured uh you know, psyches stored in its throne. And that can cause pilots to go increasingly harsh and violent. Um, sometimes nighthouses just decided, no, we're just going to do our own thing. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, and sometimes it's just they, sometimes they revel in the brutality of what they have to do as knights. Like, it's one thing to kill a bunch of, of people because you're fighting them. It's another thing to enjoy it. And sometimes they fall into that trap. Others, as the Horus Heresy hit, and some factions of the Mechanicus started uh, experimenting with heretical and chaotic you know, tech magic hybrids, would corrupt houses of knights and... Uh, cause them to to go chaotic as well and, and there were also houses that when the split came decided to you know they had sworn oaths to Horus the war master or some of the other legions when they had come to their worlds and they were going to stick with those oaths because to stick with an oath you made a vow it's that's the chivalric thing to do and not really realizing what they were in for at the time but over the last whoopsie doodle <laughs> yeah whoopsie doodle yeah but over the last 10,000 years um, there have been knights uh, serving. Uh, some some knights serve along like the the various Titan legions. Like that goes back to the Horse Heresy. In fact, the game Adeptus Titanicus has knight households that will run alongside legions. Some have served alongside the Imperial armies or the Mechanicum, and then others, like I said, have thrown their lot in with chaos. But th at at the basis, there are you know knights are these big like sub Titan but still way bigger than anything else in like most, you know, most Imperium militaries or even Xenos militaries uh, that, uh, you know, they all have the same general kind of this hulking build with big pauldrons and armor plating on the legs. And usually, you know, a, a large gun on one hand and a close combat weapon, either a, a giant power fist or chain sword on the other. Sometimes they'll double up on either melee or, ranged weapons sometimes they'll have carapace weapons on the back that will add uh more anti-infantry fire or maybe anti-flyer uh weaponry and they're like on the imperium side they are very much structured as knightly houses there like there will be a high monarch or princeps depending on if you went with the mechanicum or not and then underneath that there will be barons and then knights it's very much old school feudal class structure on the chaos side, there's kind of a dark image, you know, dark mirror of that, but also chaos just does weird things and they're just crazy anyway. 
but uh, lots more spikes and and skulls on the chaos side. Although, uh, just like with the the chaos designs, we're starting to lean more into not just knight with spiky bits added, but knights that are starting to shift and morph so that they're more animalistic. Like their legs don't bend; their legs bend like animal legs and not like human legs. And uh, it was a really interesting model line when they first added it several years ago, and they've expanded upon it. And uh, now we've got Chaos Knights. And again, Chaos Knights, when they were first kind of suggested, was just like spiky bits added, but then they started adding their own varieties of knights. And now here we are in 2022 with two codexes, that are both fully fleshed out codexes because the old knight codex was really kind of an afterthought. It felt like, like or the chaos knight codex, I should say, was just like, well, what if knights, but but evil, but with but spiky bits, what <laughs> with spiky bits, and so uh, we we've now got two armies that while they have mostly, not exactly, but mostly the same knight structure like knight classes and unit types and weaponry in many cases are going to play somewhat differently especially because of like the fact sub factions and some of the upgrades they have also uh there are three classes of knights size wise we have the armagers which are these or war dogs as they're referred to on the chaos side they are the like small, not nearly as heavily armored knights, uh, usually run in packs of like two or three, but will sp- like split off and do their own thing. And they are very much like servants to the larger knights. Uh, while on the on the Imperium side, they are they are like considered bondsmen. They you know they they will be the servants, and they even mentioned like. Uh, they will be lower ranked people in these societies, sometimes even just peasants who have sh- have uh, proven to be loyal and useful and good at piloting knights. It's not necessarily like the path to full knighthood if you like ride around an armager. Sometimes riding, being the armager pilot, that is just what you do. That's your job now as you ride in these smaller ones and listen to your betters. Um, and the chaos side, I don't think the relationship is quite that positive. <laughs> But it's still, you know, the same kind of thing. And and also, armagers have the benefit of only having a helm mechanicus instead of a full full throne. They're the the armagers themselves aren't as advanced, so that doesn't require like the full body connection. It just connects you with your brain. Although, again, anything that connects with your brain is probably a bad idea if chaos is involved. But it can still have an effect on you. Or honestly, just a bad idea in 40k. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. In general, in general, uh, then it's just we a have, bad idea. <laughs> uh, and then we have either the the middle class, which is like the classic knight model, the knight, you know, the first knight models that were released, which is the now called the Questorus class on the Imperium side and the Abhorrent class on the Chaos side. And then the most recent knights that were introduced were the, uh, the, the very large tyrant or dominus class, whether you're chaos or imperium. Uh, those make, uh, the knight valiant and the knight castellan on the, uh, imperium side. On the chaos side, it's just the knight tyrant and you've got a couple of different loadouts for it. But the same weaponry either way. And those are like, they're bigger, they're slower, but they have more, like they can have, they have more wounds, they have more, uh, damage output because of like their weapons are just larger um, and more guns in general, more stronger guns. 
but also rarer and more expensive. And so getting into the 10 things, the first thing you need to know is first off, like knights have households uh, and that is their chapter tactic, sub faction trait thing. And chaos knights now also have households. Now, uh, when the Chaos Knight Codex first came out, there was just two classes. You were either Iconoclast, which meant you were knights who had grown slowly corrupted over time or had made deals with, like, Chaos Space Marine Legions or whatever, or, you know, like, maybe during the Horus Heresy, you partnered with Horus and now you've left them. Or there was the Infernal Houses, which you had partnered with the Dark Mechanicus and had been taking on more warp charge technology and things like that. When we had uh, Psychic Awakening Engine War come out, uh, they added full-on Chaos Households. And that has now been officially rolled into the Codex. So now, just like the Imperial Knights have a number of households with sub-traits that uh, separate between Imperial and Mechanicus, which that decision, which one you pick changes whether you have like on the Imperium side, there's an oath that you take now with one of those two. And that oath is either the Sacristan pledge for the Mechanicus, which gives your Knights one additional wound, two additional wounds at their Titanic, which is basically anything that's not an armature. So if you're Mechanicus, your vehicles are, can take more damage and you regenerate a wound every turn on all your Knights. Or there's the Imperialist side, which is the Vow of Honor. You add one to your advance and charge rolls. Um, you can ignore any modif- any and all modifiers when you advance and charge. So if anybody has like penalties to advance and charge, you ignore those. And uh, you move an additional inch when you pile in or consolidate. So like four-inch pile-in or consolidation is not bad. On the Chaos side, there are similar things referred to as the... Uh, Traitorous Ambition, and that is either the Iconoclast, which adds, uh, when every time this model fights, if it charged, was charged, or performed a heroic intervention, so you have to be aggressively fighting, um, you add one attack, and you increase the AP of all melee weapons by one. If you are an Infernal Household, again, meaning you have partnered with the Dark Mechanicus and or Demons as a household, at a household level, um, you... In each of your command phases, each model can use a Demonic Surge. If you use Demonic Surge, it takes a mortal wound, and you roll a D3 to get an effect on the table, which could be uh, three inches of extra movement, um, only uh, basically transhuman physiology, you aren't wounded on anything better than or anything worse than a four up, or add one to your wound rolls on one of your weapons, or you can take D3 mortal wounds and just pick one. So you can, like, injure yourself to get a buff of some sort. And how much you want to choose it depends on how much damage you're willing to take. Uh, But uh, on top of that, there are now the households. And I will say Chaos still has to come up short because they have fewer households than the Imperium. So it's like you can never have everything just as good because that's just not how it it goes. Because the Imperium has Terran, Griffith, Cadmus, Hawkshroud, Morton, Raven, Terranus, Crast, and Volker. So that's two, four, six, eight, nine houses. Chaos has six. That's eh, fine. 
Yeah, five of them were printed in Engine War, and there's a sixth one that has been added, House Corvax. Uh, House Corvax is the remnants of House Raven, which is also still in the Imperial Knights book, because Bellacor, during the Charidon campaign, stole their homeworld. Not just took it over, stole it. He sucked it into the warp, and then it popped out later with a new name and a new corrupted night house. Called yeah, House Corvax. Out. I mean, yeah, that's a, a very Bellacore thing. thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Bellacore doing Bellacore things. <laughs> right. Um, each of the households will tell you which either vow or ambition it's tied to, again, based on whether it's Iconoclast, Iconoclast, Infernal, Imperium, or Mechanicus. Um, Chaos has, like, House Herpetrax gets you more wounds on your knights. Lucaris lets you reroll hit rolls or wound rolls when you fight. Um, Chimer gets you uh, plus one to the wound roll against units that are already like at half strength. Vextrix gets you uh, re-roll one hit roll and one wound roll when you shoot. Comentus gets you, uh, you can choose, every time you uh, use a demonic surge, you can re-roll the d3 if you only did one wound if you took the D3 mortal wounds, you select two of them. So they are very much into this whole demonic energy thing. Nice. And then Corvax Corv gets an ability that uh, we'll have to get into later when we get to about our fifth unit on the list. Because it ties into a new ability called Harbingers of Dread. Uh, if I, I'm not going to skip around on it. We're just going to go down this chart in order as I wrote it. So uh, we will get back to what Corvax does. But basically, it gives you more flexibility uh, on what you do and also plays well with others. On the other hand, Imperial Knights, um, some of these did not change. I was surprised on a couple of these because, like, I've played House Hawk Shroud as my knights for a while. Um, and they still get the counting as double wounds remaining uh, okay. to determine what what line on the damage chart they, they exist at. But like Terran gets ec gets an extra D six discard the discard whichever one you want for uh, advancing or charging. Griffith gets an extra attack when they fight charge or or every time they charge were charge or heroically intervened they get an extra attack. Uh, House Cadmus uh, is better at wounding vehicles and monsters. They reroll wound rolls of one, and if a unit contained six or more models, then you can reroll the wound roll as well. Hawk Shroud counts as double. And then their other ability ties into the other new system for knights, which is their chivalry system. We'll talk about that later. House Morton rerolls hit rolls of one when doing melee attacks. House Raven uh, lets you move as if, or lets you shoot as if you were stationary, as long as you did a normal move or advanced, which made them really stupid in past editions. <laughs> but, uh, They've, I, I think they've toned down a few other things. Um, Terranus uh, has a D6, uh, feel no pain, except against mortal wounds. Like, uh, they take, they ignore wounds on a six up unless it was a mortal wound, in which case they take it normally. Crast, uh, melee attacks of uh, automatic, you know, melee attacks of an unmodified six automatically uh, wound unless it's a titanic target unless you're hitting another another titanic item in which uh five ups to hit automatically wound and then house volker 
when you make a range attack against the closest enemy unit, you reroll hit rolls of one. On top of all of those, you can build custom households, in which case you select one martial tradition. So you don't, and there's there's a whole list of which ones you take. And then you just, and there's a, like, for the Imperium side, there's an Imperialis and a Mechanicus set of traditions you take. And and if you want to be a one-off, you can take a Free Blade tradition instead. Okay. And then on the Chaos side, you can also build your own Dread Household. And they, now they don't have a separate set for what they call Dread Blades, which is their version of Free Blades, which is basically a free agent. I'm not tied to any household knight um but they have an iconoclast set and an infernal household set and again you just pick one so you can like if you don't like one of the other houses you can just uh stick with it and then they do have the options like to take one where you count as the other house so you get their household bond and use their uh, can use their stratagem but not their relic like, their relic is theirs, but you can use their stratagem and warlord trait. Neat. So, uh, that, so like, there's a lot of different different houses you can build your knights as. You can build your own, or if you just want to do a one-off weird knight, uh, you can take one of those. And and we'll be getting into some of the cool, other cool things you can do with free blades and uh, dread blades a bit later. Number two, Chaos Knights can finally finally in a real meaningful useful way be dedicated to the chaos gods this was something that if i remember right there were some relics in engine war that could give you like there were ways to get a particular god keyword but you had to take a very particular thing instead chaos knights can actually take upgrades that dedicate them to chaos gods and give them abilities for doing so so I find this very interesting because obviously, like this is as we've pointed out many times, this is the first Chaos book of Ninth Edition. So, like you know, in the in the previous versions of like the Chaos Marine book, for example, marks didn't really do anything other than just give you a keyword, and like you could do you could do things to give keywords to knights and take relics, but it didn't really mechanically do anything. I find this very interesting that they're kind of going back to like, yeah, this here's your dedicated to a Chaos God upgrade. Here's the things that trigger off that. Here's some bonuses. Like, I find that very interesting, and I I imagine that's going to get ported over into the Marine Codex too. It would be interesting to see how they do that. And uh, how they've done it here is also interesting. Although, again, with knights, it's a bit different because you're dealing with much, you know, a much smaller unit pool. Like you're Mm -hmm. dealing with, you know, a fraction of the number of units you would because of how much they cost point wise. And these upgrades, like you can take each one once. Uh, and also, like, if you take, like, the War Dog, you know, it's like the Armager-style uh, smaller knights, you can take them in units of, like, up to three, but only one of them in each unit can be given one of these upgrades. So you can't just, like, mm-hmm. put all of these across, like, everything in your list, depending on how you build it. And you can't include the same favor of the Dark Gods more than once, which means if you put one on one of your Armagers, you can't put it on one of your Questers, or vice versa. Or, I should say, Abhorrence. If you put on a... You, if you put on War Dog, you can't put it on Abhorrent. Also, there's three for each god, so depending on what, like, there would be, th- depending on what you take, it would be very hard to fill out an army where everybody's got one. Sure. And in addition, uh, now I do like the fact that the upgrades are listed based on 
how much power and points it costs based on like the size of the knight. So an upgrade that only caught, you know, that is like the very first one, Blood Shield for corn. It only costs 30 points on a war dog. It's 45 points on an abhorrent, but it's also only 30 points on a tyrant because it's better for the abhorrence. Whereas something like the Cursed Rune of Fate for Zinch is 15 on a war dog, 35 on an abhorrent, and 50 points on a tyrant. So some of these will, like, the costs scale on this. And that's not the only thing that scales. And this is the part I don't like about these because it's more bookkeeping. And it's bookkeeping mm-hmm. on a night-by-night basis. And that is each one of these abilities has two stages. There's a regular ability that just, like, this This upgrade is always active. And then there's the favored ability. You have become, this knight has become favored by this particular god. And the way that works is based on the size of the knight, fi- uh, war dog, abhorrent, or tyrant, there's a number of wounds worth of models you, that knight has destroyed that has to be hit before the favored ability kicks in. And so you have to keep a tally, but it's not just models destroyed, and it's just not wounds inflicted. It is specifically the number of wounds of models killed, which could get a little bit messy to track depending on if you're fighting like multi-wound units and like does it kick it you don't have to kill out the whole unit you just have to kill enough models worth of wounds for example a war dog class takes five needs a tally of five if i'm fighting custodes and my war dog has killed two custodes guard custodian guards in a three-man unit that has hit six wounds and now has triggered right but if you were using an abhorrent class, he could kill all three of them, and now that's still only nine wounds. He has to get to ten to be active. So it, it's it's a weird system. It's I, as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm not a fan of all the the bookkeeping, and it does you know mm-hmm. that these systems are adding, and it's on a night by night basis. The one saving grace there is that again you don't have that many knights to track and you probably depending on how you build these you probably won't have everybody in your army rocking one of these um there's three abilities for each chaos god and then a fifth set of abilities for pantheon undivided which i did think that was a cool add-on that if you want to be devoted to chaos but maybe you're going for more of a black legion vibe where you're down with all the gods in particular or none of them in particular you still have options for that so like let's say you want to have a chaos undivided knight to run alongside your uh, like night lords you can do that and that's cool yeah that is neat that is a that is a neat way to do it a quick rundown of those like the corn ones either let you like once per battle you can activate a blood shield that says uh, you can't uh, like when you make a melee attack against when somebody makes a melee attack against you, you can't take invulnerable saves. But at the same time, the thing you're fighting can't take invulnerable saves either. Right. And the favorite ability is like you can activate that one extra time per game. Or there's one that helps like makes makes it harder for psychers to cast within 12 inches. Or one that lets you reroll charge morals. But then like. The favorite abilities might be can't be affected by psychic powers at all, or you get extra hits when you when you hit on sixes. Zinch gets uh, more sci- like some psychic abilities. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, <laughs> or 
when range attacks are made against you, if you save with a six, the the thing that shot you takes a mortal wound, and maybe you get a four up and vulnerable save is your favorite ability, um, or maybe you get command points back. Nurgle gets uh, incoming reduce or like adding to your armor saving throws against weak weapons or automatically wounding on sixes to hit or uh, having an aura of minus one strength within six inches. Slanesh gets the ability to heroically intervene and fight first or melee attacks against you are minus one to hit minus one to wound or uh, you get basically get the house raven ability of if you advanced or fall back, fell back, you can shoot as though you counted as though you remain stationary. Uh, Pantheon Undivided gets uh, uh, six up, feel no pain, or you can deep strike a unit, or um, opponents can't reroll hit rolls or wound rolls or damage rolls against you. And uh, that's not even taking the favorite abilities into account. <laughs> See, I'm liking the idea of just having that solo knight dedicated to Slanesh, because it could, I mean, it probably can't attach it to a Slanesh army anymore, but at least when maybe Emperor's Children or a Slanesh-themed Chaos Marine Well, army, it could- does, it does gain the keyword, so yeah. if you're, it... Okay. So, so, so you- I can't add that to my Slanesh demons. <laughs> uh, as well, we'll be actually be getting to that in a bit as well. Okay, we, cool. We, yes. Yeah, as far as how how it works, but yeah, you could absolutely take uh, you know a chaos dreadblade and devote it to uh, to Slanesh and run it as a, a you know in a super auxiliary you know super heavy auxiliary detachment and not break the Slanesh keyword if that was your 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 keyword between everything but also makes it legal to be targeted with you know, stratagems and such that would affect a Slanesh unit as long as it didn't require another keyword on top of it that it didn't have so like demons. Um, <laughs> well yeah yeah you wouldn't gain that keyword next thing chaos knights are the first is the first knight codex to have a psychic knight Woo-hoo. There's a brand the brand new uh, Knight Abominant, which is in the new uh, the new army box and will eventually be available separately, is a psyker with access to a new discipline called Warp Storm. And the Warp Storm uh, discipline, it's most like half of its debuffs, and then there's a couple of witch fires and then one blessing. The ble- uh, the debuffs, the maledictions are like minus one leadership and uh forces your opponent to take a leadership test and if they fail they are you reduce their weapon skill and ballistic skill by one or an 18 you pick a enemy unit within 18 inch inches of the psyker and every time your friendly chaos knights attack them it's like plus one to wound and uh unmodified wound rolls of six do do a mortal in addition um or you can target a unit and they can't fire overwatch or set to defend and then there's a tally you have to keep that might uh, cause mortal wounds, depending on how the tally goes. Or there's a couple of wounds that uh, a couple that require an enemy unit to make leadership tests, and if they fail, they suffer a mortal wound. Um, or a, a pseudo smite that can also cause more mortal wounds, like it can chain mortal wounds to other units. And then a be- a blessing that uh, gives you five up, feel no pain, and um, if you rolled well enough. Uh, war dogs within six inches of you also get a six up feel no pain. Nice. You're saying, well, I've got a knight abominant, but what if I dedicated my knight abominant to corn? 
Well, Corn psychers. Woo. No. <laughs> no. No. I know. You do yeah. not get that. But if but, you if but the Dawn mo- of War. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you have a knight abominate and you dedicate it to corn, it loses the psyker keyword and can't manifest psychic powers, etc. But its weapon skill and attacks are both increased by one. Oh, and I almost forgot. Let's say you want to have uh, knights dedicated to chaos, but you don't want to spend the extra points to get the all the extra abilities. Or maybe you've dedicated a couple. Let's say you've used upgrades. Let's say you have like five knights in your in your army, and you've put all three corn upgrades on on three of them, but you still want to have the whole army being corn. Well, there's also a stratagem called chosen by the gods. Which is a one CP stratagem. Uh, in a small game, you can use it once. In a strike force battle, so 2000 points, you can use it twice. So like incursion and combat patrol, you can use it once. Strike, uh, strike force game, 2000 points, you can use it twice. Onslaught battle, which is bigger than that, you can use it three times. And it's one CP each. It gives it the corn keyword and it provides the same changes to an abominate if you mark it as corn. Nice. So. So you can do an entire Corn or Slanesh or Nurgle or Zinch Knight Army or all like Pantheon Undivided too. You can dedicate your entire uh, Knight Army to the Chaos Gods, depending on like how you build it. So that that's really cool. But yeah, I do like the fact that they took into account. Yeah, no, there's no Corn Psychers, but if you take the Psyker, then you can just it just gets better at fighting instead. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I like that. And now, as far as flexibility and options, we've already been talking about like some of these upgrades and having psychic knights. Uh, also, chaos knights have more options than imperial knights do, they, and more flexible options as well. Um, now, when chaos knights, when like there was first a chaos knight data sheet before we even had the chaos knights codex. One of the big things about being able to take a Chaos Knight was it was one of the only knights that could double up on its arm weapons. Like at this point, the Knight yeah. Warden had been released, which had the uh, the big uh, uh, the big the big auto cannon or the big yeah Avenger Gatling cannon, the Avenger Gatling cannon. Yeah, it had the Avenger Gatling cannon. Well, the a Chaos Knight could take two of those or two battle yeah, cannons yeah. or two two thermal lances, and. That was like that was the thing that made Chaos Knights kind of cool. And Night Jousts, that was always fun. It's like, oh, I'm going to run as a Chaos Knight and take double guns and just lay waste to everything. So in addition to that, which that is now considered that that very customizable knight was redubbed the Knight Despoiler in the previous Chaos Knight Codex. The Knight Despoiler still absolutely exists. And it is the only knight still that can take that can double up on the same gun. In addition. We've got the Knight Abominant, and we've got five varieties of War Dog. Whereas the Knight Codex, the, the, the Cast Knight Codex used to just have War Dog, and it was generic, and it could it could effectively build the the Helverin or the Warglaive from the Imperial Knight Codex. Now there are five variants. Two of them, the War Dog Executioner and the War Dog Huntsman. The Executioner is a Helverin. It has the dual auto cannons. And the War Dog Huntsman is, has the melt, like the thermal spear and the Reaper, cha- you know, the chain talon. 
or in this case, they call it the demon breath spear and the re- and the the reaper chain talon. So like the reaper chain sword because like because everything's got to be demon breath or oh yeah, you know ectoplasm chaos. or whatever. It's like it, yeah. you've got to chaos it up. Chaos claw. <laughs> in addition, uh, when the army box was announced, they did also show off that there were going to be like new war dog builds, and so we have three now that all come from the same kit. There's the stalker, the carnivore, and the brigand. And basically, it comes down to if you take the brigand, you get an Avenger chain cannon, which is a smaller version of the Gatling cannon, or the Demon Breath Spear, which is the same kind of melted gun that the Huntsman has. Or you can take the Stalker, which has the chain talon or the chain cannon, and either a uh, yeah, the chain talon. It has the chain cannon and a slaughter claw, which is like their power fist. And you can change out like the chain cannon for the melt a, the melt a weapon or the slaughter claw for the uh, chain sword. But it's going to be like gun and sword, but with flexibility. Like if you wanted to, you could use a stalker to recreate a huntsman. I don't know why you would, but you could. <laughs> and then the carnivore goes all in and has the chain talon and the slaughter claw. But it also, it doesn't completely give up guns because instead of a stubber or a uh, melt-a-gun, it has a uh, Havoc launcher on top. And actually, the Wardog Stalker can have a stubber or a, uh, you can replace, you can have a stubber or a um, Havoc launcher instead of a stubber or melt-a-gun. And then the, the Brigand is double guns if you want to, but you can't do double chain cannon or double spear. It's one of each. Oh, Sorry. But, uh, I mean, with five options for knights, like, the only one thing I'm kind of sad about is there's no way to, like, do a, like, one autocannon and one, like, close combat weapon or spear. Like, the, the autocannon one is always going to be dual autocannon. Mm-hmm. But I, d- I really do dig that, like, you've got a lot more options for the war dogs. Yeah, and... As an aside, these options are not reflected in the Imperial Knight Codex. The Imperial Knights do not get new armagers. They have the same two yeah. that they had before. So Chaos Knights actually get some options, like real honest-to-goodness options, that you know Imperial Knights don't, which allows them know. to kind of... You don't know? I'm kind of disappointed by that. Really? Because, I mean... Huh. I, I'm more, I think, now an Imperial Knights player because I'm like getting the army together, and I kind of find mm-hmm. it sad that that my Chaos cousins get more toys than me. For once, yeah. <laughs> for once, <laughs> for once, yes. <laughs> I, I I think it's interesting because it is kind of a reflection of the fact that Chaos does have Chaos is a little more ragtag and does have like different doctrines and like the way they fight. So, like, this kind of represents that, like, yeah, you have more options because some of these are just scrounged together of, like, what you could find and what you could put on an, on a, on an armature. Right. So, well, I, I don't the mind part, yeah. The part I do like about it, though, is it makes each of them have their own flavor. And they're going to feel totally different because they have different, yep. like, units now. So, I do appreciate it for that part. Yeah, for sure. And, like, if you want to go all in on a close combat night army, it's like, I don't care about shooting my opponents. Yeah, I'll have a I'll have Havoc launchers or whatever, but I, I just want to go in and murder things. Like, if you want to run all carnivores and rampagers, you can absolutely do that. And that, you, you know, that's... them all the corn. Like, exactly. Like, you, you... I think there's a lot of room in here to build a Chaos Army as flavorful, you know, you know leaning into a particular flavor as, as much as you want. 
Also, the Night Desecrator and Night Rampager. So, like, we mentioned the despoiler. That is basically the, it's the night kit, just, like, the traditional night kit just made chaos form. And that's the one that can take, like, the double guns. And you can, mm -hmm. like, you can run it. Like, the default version just has the the fist and chainsword. But you, most people are not going to run it that way because there's a better version of that called the Rampager that does the exact yeah. same thing. It's interesting that, like, there's the Desecrator, which is their version of the Perceptor, but with, like, a slightly different Laz weapon. Yeah. Um, and But it also, like, buffs War Dogs the way that one affects Armatures. The Desecrator and Rampager kits are now considered temporarily unavailable on the website. And the reason for that is they are being rolled into the kit with the Abominant. The new Abominant kit, like, so if you buy the army box that's coming out where this is the only way to get this codex right now. If you don't want to build the Abominant, if you would, let's say I want to build a corn army, I don't care about the Knight Abominant. Build that army with two War Dog Carnivores and the Knight Rampager, because that is in that same set of sprues. You can build that Abominant kit as a Desecrator or a Rampager instead. That's cool. So I do appreciate that. I, I and I haven't seen like I have not built a Chaos Knight yet. I'm curious how compatible the weapon arms are between the Chaos Knights and the Imperial Knights because I'm wondering if anybody has done a despoiler using the Chaos Knight bodies. You know those kind of more hunched animal-like bodies. From what I remember, when I built my uh, Rampager last time, I believe the arms are basically the same. So I believe okay. all the weapons are weapons are compatible. Okay, so like if you wanted to just use the new newer sprues, you could if you wanted to. You would yeah. just have to buy the like the the standard night weaponry separately. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like between the fact that there's there's you've got a psyker knight, you've got more war dogs, you've always had the despoiler as the the extremely flexible build of knight, and then you still have the knight tyrant, which can be built as again, as either the castellan or the Valiant variants as far as the weaponry, but it's it's always one of those two. You can't mix and match. But still, with all this, Chaos Knights having more options for building armies is kind of a nice, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a fresh breath of air. I really do like that. And so I think Chaos Knight players will enjoy that as well, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to number five, and this is the one of the last things that is unique that is completely unique to the uh, Chaos Knight Codex. And that is the Harbingers of Dread ability. Now, we mentioned, I mentioned Dread, like leadership checks. These are referred to throughout the Codex as Dread checks. And a Dread check is the old school leadership test. You roll 2d6 and you, roll, you have to roll equal to or under your leadership to, to succeed. Uh, you, as the Knight player, do not make Dread checks. Your opponents do. So uh, they have to make dread checks or suffer the effects of whatever dread is affecting them at the time. And this is weird. This is this set of abilities is weird. It's one of these shifting abilities throughout the game. And after I explained how this is handled, you'll see like this get this can get tricky to track and i'm very disappointed that the army cards like the data cards that were also included in the army box which by the way i just mentioned the army box and both codexes were sent to us by games workshop 
uh, uh, for review purposes. And that army box does include the data cards. And I am disappointed that these abilities do not are not reflected in data cards. And the reason I'm disappointed in that is because of how it works. So Chaos Knights, all of them have an ability called Harbingers of Dread. And the way Harbingers of Dread works is if every unit in your army has the Chaos Knights keyword, not counting unaligned and Agent of Chaos keyword or keywords, then this unit gains a bonus. That bonus starts off, there's three columns. Already I'm hating this. <laughs> <laughs> there's the Despair column, the Doom column, the Darkness column. You start off in the Doom column. You have to end in the Doom column. Each battle round, and there's a chart. It's a matrix for three columns, five battle rounds. You start in Doom. Your units have a dread range, which is a 12-inch bubble. It is not an aura ability, so it does not interact with anything that affects or shuts off auras. Because why can we have anything consistent? Also, if a unit, some abilities have... Like, if a unit has failed, or, like, some unities are considered dreaded, which they gave a cute little skull icon for reasons. I don't know why. I I really don't know why they decided we needed to save space on this rather than... But it's just to indicate that this ability kicks in, like, only affects things within dread range, which is a a 12-inch bubble. So, at... At round one, in Doom, you are in the Dread Host ability. While the enemy unit is within Dread range of the model, they subtract one from their leadership, and they subtract one from combat attrition tests every time they have to make one. So the idea being that when Chaos Knights show up, they just exude this aura of terror, and it starts to affect enemy units around them. At round two, you can decide to stay in Doom mode, or you can shift to either Despair or Darkness. Each one has its own ability. When you get to round three, you can either stay in despair or darkness, or doom if you didn't leave doom. If you are in despair or darkness, you can shift back to doom. If you are in doom, you can shift to despair or darkness, but you can never shift directly between despair and darkness. But on Thursdays, you have to stay in doom all day. Right, yeah. Unless the sun is out. But after Labor Day... (laughs) You can stay. But on you can. But on leap years, it's all reversed. <laughs> right. Again. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Now here's where it gets even more fun. These abilities are cumulative. Now two units that are affected by the same ability. So like if you have two knights with bubble, like who are both in like it's round one, and you have two enemies or two knights that both have dread host up because they have to because it's round one, it has to have that one. Um, a unit affected by them does not get minus two from leadership and minus two from their combat attrition. It's like as long as they're like it can only affect be one effect. The abilities don't overlap and double up. But as you gain these abilities, so for example, Doom. Let's say I let's say I stick with Doom the entire game. I never shift between despair and darkness. Round two, add three inches to the model's dread range. That's it. So you're like, wait a minute, does that mean my Dread Host ability goes away? No, because these abilities are cumulative. Each time you get an ability, you get all the abilities you've picked so far. And it affects all your unit, all your units that have the Harbingers of Dread keyword 
get these abilities. Every single one of them. So, so what's the reason for not changing? Um, because some of them. So, for example, let's say. Uh, so, like, if you don't change, maybe you want you like maybe you want the extra range, so you're at 15 inches. But um, let's say you switch to darkness. Darkness round two is Geist Storm. While an enemy unit is within dread range of this model, each time that unit is selected to shoot with, and each time that unit wishes to declare a charge, it must first take a dread test. If the test is passed, it can select targets for shooting attacks or declare a charge normally. Otherwise, if they failed their dread test, then models in that enemy unit cannot make ranged attacks again unless they target the closest eligible target or the closest eligible Chaos Knights unit... Or if that enemy unit declared a charge against enemy enemy un- knights units, any charge rolls made for it are halved. So you can screw with an opponent's ability to target anything for the rest of the game. That's the trade-off of not having a 15-inch dread range. Right. Okay. Or the, the despair side, if you t- switch to despair, then it's a... 12-inch bubble of if the enemy unit has any aura abilities, the auras lose three inches of range. And if they have any abilities they use in the command phase, subtract three inches of range from those. So you can screw with their ability to buff their own units for the rest of the game within 12 inches of any of your units. So that's like that's why you might choose not to or might choose to switch out of Doom, but you might not choose to switch out of Doom. Or maybe you don't switch out of Doom on turn two, on round two, but round three, you switch out of Doom and then pick up a new ability. And then maybe round four, you switch back, or maybe you don't. But the thing is, like, at round five, you switch back into Doom for the final round. And the final round's ability is Horror of the Warp, which, uh, when it is, uh, when an enemy unit is within dread range of this model, each time a combat attrition test is taken for that unit, subtract one from that combat attrition test. Which I'm assuming stacks with the Dread Host ability because it's two rules applying the same cumulative penalty to different ones. And then on an unmodified roll of one, two models flee instead of one. So basically, like, if you stick with Doom, it's it Doom is all leadership and attrition. Like, it's all affecting the morale phase. Despair affects your, your opponent's ability to do anything. Like, round four Despair is within Dread Unit. Or within dread range, your opponent's units lose objective secured. <laughs> and darkness is all about screwing with your opponent's ability to to pick targets or hit things. So it just like it depends on how you want to play it. I but I really don't like the fact that there are there are eleven potential abilities that you can have. Two of them you're going to have for sure. Nine of them are optional depending on what path through this matrix you take. You're going to accumulate them. I really wish they had given you cards to track which ones your army has. So you would just have a list yeah. of these are the abilities my army has, especially so your opponent could see what ability. So what, what do your, what happens with I'm in when I'm in dread range now? Because you keep, it keeps getting crazier. <laughs> yeah, this is a clunky implementation. I like the concept, but this is, uh, yeah, this, yeah, this is clunky. <laughs> and yet. I'm going to say that when we get to item item eight on the list, I still like it. I think I vaguely like it better than the Imperial Knight version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this 
that's the problem with these arm with like getting these rules that are more complex is they get clunkier. They get harder to track. It's a lot more to, to keep going. The thing I'll say here is that like what they're trying to do and GW is actually trying to be really nice in this case because they're trying to give play- chaos or knights players more things to do during the game. Because when you put a knight army down, you have like five or six models. It's just really kind of point and click, like fight this, fight that. Mm-hmm. This gives you more things to do to remain engaged throughout the remainder of the, of the game. <clears throat> yeah, no, it, well, no, the thing is, I know you're being yeah. sarcastic, but you're not yeah. wrong. It's honestly like they're, and, and what they're doing is they're giving Chaos Knights ways to impact the rest of the table in a very fluffy way using yeah. a set of mechanics that are interesting. And it's also like, it's going to shift. Like, for example, if I'm playing against an Imperial Knights player, I'm not going to stick in Doom because the Imperial Knights don't care about leadership or combat attrition. Exactly. It's really not going to affect them. So maybe I shift into darkness. Yeah. No, um, I like the idea that, like, you can tailor this for the game and you can kind of, you know, tailor it for your opponent if they're do- you know, if they have a lot of shooting attacks or if they have a lot of aura abilities. You can kind of target them that way. And then I do like... The way that it's built with, you know, since you can't go directly from despair to darkness, they are cutting out intentionally some of the ridiculous combos options. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's just done in a weird way. Like, I like the concept and the framework. I just, this is a weird implementation. But maybe it'll, maybe it'll play easier. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, like, it's one of those things, like, I want to see it in practice. And it's, it's interesting. It's just, there's a lot of things about this that, it's it feels clunkier than it has to be and maybe it's just mm-hmm. the way they explain it because again it's like the whole thing of like oh there's this little cute little dread icon we gave everything there's no point for that because it doesn't i mean other than to highlight that it affects things within dread range but the abilities yeah. also just straight up say that there's no value in having that icon there um they well, if they if they'd come out with a set of cards that had the icon then there is a point to that icon yeah it's it's very weird. Also, also, I would like to point out that even though the Chaos Knights data cards, they they have the psychic powers list. You know, they have the, the Warp Storm psychic powers in here. The deck is still shorter. Physically, like if I put it and the Imperial Knight data cards side by side, which Games Workshop also sent us, um, mm. it's shorter. The deck is shorter. It is a smaller deck than the Imperial Knights deck. Which means there's no reason why they couldn't have put 11 more cards in there. There's absolutely <laughs> zero reason why they couldn't have put these in there. And I would have, that would have made that, like, if you had, you know, we had the synaptic imperatives for the Tyranid Codex where you could actually, like, they had those cards in the, the data cards. There's no reason why they shouldn't have had these cards in here. Especially yeah. because it's abilities that change during the game and being able to track which ones and for your opponent to be able to see which ones they're going to be affected by. I don't want to say it's going to be a nightmare to manage, but it's it's a mess. It, it could have been done better. I, I applaud the effort. I know what they were trying to do. And you're right. It does give knights a way to impact the table beyond I shoot the thing, I fight the thing. It does create this feeling mm-hmm. that when chaos knights show up, they are terrifying. You know, literally, they are effect. You know, causing dread. That's cool. I just don't know if this was the right way to do it. Yeah, uh, but it it is unique. It's something no other army has, and it's one of the first times, like other than Power from Pain, where we have cumulative abilities like this. It's just imagine if for the Rukari, if Power from Pain, you could choose which Power from Pain abilities you had each turn. 
instead of just having them just here's the list that that you get. I think that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair, fair. I'm 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 preaching to the wrong choir here, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like it, it's a neat idea though. I, I don't want I don't want to seem like I'm poo pooing the idea. I just don't think I don't think the idea yeah. was handled as well as it could have been. I mean, I agree. Yeah, cards for it probably would have been ideal because it's it's good to have like representation that's easy to see and it's on the table for people to notice. Right, exactly. Uh, getting to point six, this is when we start switching into the things that affect both of these codexes. First off, Dreadblades and Freeblades are actually super playable now. Um, in the past, it's like you could take one, but there re- like there wasn't a good way to integrate it with your army, and especially with a lot of ninth edition codexes wanting you have army purity, or else your army special abilities get shut off. Um, they've changed that for uh, for free blades and dread blades. So, like for example, again, I've just got the chaos codex open because that's what I'm looking at. Um, there's an ability called Fallen Hero, and there's an uh, equal ability in the knight codex wandering knight. open up both books yeah called wandering knight and basically both of them say that if you have or wandering hero yeah there it is you know if this detachment is a super heavy auxiliary detachment that contains one free blade or dread blade unit until the end of the battle that unit gains the agent of chaos for dread blades or agent of the imperium for free blades keyword only one free blade or dread blade in your army can have this keyword and they go further on the uh, chaos one under fallen hero that says the inclusion of a dreadblade agent of chaos unit from your army does not prevent chaos units in your army from ha- using any rules that require every model from your army to have the same keyword e.g. contagions of nurgle cabalistic rituals etc and that's because a couple of those codexes because agents of chaos are a relatively new thing because we've had agents of the Imperium for, like, Inquisitors and Assassins and such. And so a lot of the Imperium codexes were built where agents of the Imperium do not ca- do not interfere with your army's ability to have those army-wide rules. But the Chaos ones, like, Death Guard did not have that caveat written into it. So they're putting it in the Chaos Knights book to specify this does not impact your army's ability to have those rules. So if you want to have... A free blade, or like, let's say you want to have a dread blade Slanesh Knight to run with your uh, Emperor's Children. You can do that. It's actually absolutely plausible, and it will not impact your army's ability to do anything. Or you're like, yeah, your Death Guard. If you want to have Death Guard, you get to have an Agent of Chaos Knight in your Death Guard army, and your Death Guard rules all still work properly. This nice. is really good. Also, uh, something else about knights in general. Knights. Imperial Knights and Chaos Knights both have this under their detachment abilities. Note that Chaos Knight or Imperial Knight Super Heavy Auxiliary Detachments still get all their detachment abilities, even though Super Heavy Auxiliary Detachments do not normally gain any detachment abilities. So, for example, if you want to build a, like, you want to take a, like, a th- Combat Patrol. Their Combat Patrol is three war dogs or armagers. I don't know if we'll actually get combat patrols of those released as separate boxes, but that's, you know, what they've got. You can take a super heavy auxiliary detachment and, uh, you know, of, of war dogs or armagers 
and you will still get your house like your household abilities you will still get the uh towering foe ability which um says your your like armagers count as five models anything larger than that counts as 10 models for determining how many uh how many models are controlling an objective and your war dogs or armagers get objective secured you can do that in a super heavy auxiliary and you don't lose those so that's really cool um however when you build a free blade or a dread blade uh you pick a like a household bond just like you know and we mentioned that like the Imperials have their own list for free blade bonds. Uh, for um, dread blades, you just pick one from either Iconoclast or Infernal. That only works when you splash a free blade or a dread blade into the appropriate knight army. So if you have a household knight army and you splash in a free blade or dread blade, those they will still have. They will have that special household. Uh, tradition or bond and they also mentioned that uh you have to have a martial tradition that isn't mat doesn't match anything else in your in the army but they will always have that no matter what everybody else has so it's like they also break the rule of everybody has to have the same tradition you can splash in a free blade into in the middle of a detachment you don't even have to take it as a super heavy auxiliary you could have a, a free blade well i know i take that back um, you have as long as the atta- the detachment has at least three models from the same household, so you'd have to have like a fourth in there that was a dread blade, which you can have in a super heavy auxil- or a super heavy detachment. But if you try to splash in a free blade or a dread blade into an army, the way this is written, you do not get any of those detachment abilities because, like for example, an Imperial Knights detachment is one that only includes models with the Imperial Knights keyword excluding models with the agent of imperium agent of the imperium or unaligned keyword and we have the exact same wording on the chaos side agent of chaos does not get their detachment abilities mm-hmm. which means as of right now let's say i take a dreadblade with my with my death guard army he does not get the uh and this is funny also chaos knight detachments gain the fallen hero ability which is the ability that gives them the agent of chaos keyword I I think you still get those abilities. I think it's just worded poorly. It's worded poorly, but the only way for a knight to get an agent of chaos ability, and then you say like, unless they're they're maybe they're leaving that open for other agents of chaos, but it's a detachment. There are no detachments that I am currently aware of in the game that can take a lord of war and a not lord of war. Like there's nothing. Right. There's no way to mix it. So right. this is, I think the implication is the Dreadblade should have its household bond. Yes. Or house. Yeah. And that it should have the towering foe ability and it should yes. have objective secured if you took a free blade or a Dreadblade uh, war dog. Like it should have those things. It's just, this is worded very badly. This yeah. is going to need a day one FAQ. So just, just to clarify, because otherwise it seems like, the way this is written, it creates an infinite loop where it, taking the Dreadblade gives it the keyword that takes away the ability to take a Dreadblade to get the keyword that takes away the Dreadblade that takes the keyword. And same thing for the Imperial side. Right. But I, I think I, if we roll it as it intended, it shouldn't. I'm with you there. I sh- correct, shouldn't. Yeah. So I, I'm like, and I was looking at the Goonhammer review and they said like, we're operating under the the assumption that 
it this instance of the agent of chaos or Imperium keyword does not take away these abilities because it doesn't make sense otherwise. It ha- it right. it only yeah. works if 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 this works. So um, I, I almost think they they also really shouldn't have taken the uh, like they didn't need to put unaligned in there because there are no unaligned models in this in either of these codexes. It's it, there's cut not. and paste. Mm-hmm. It's cut and paste, and it shows, and it's it's cause it it causes the rules to read weirdly in a, a state which they shouldn't have. So. But if you if you we just under, run under the the understanding that this should not take away these extra abilities, then then splashing in a, a free blade or a dread blade is an awesome addition to any Imperium or Chaos Army, and I really like that. I really like yeah. that, and I want that to be the way that works. Well, and they they explicitly said in like the Warhammer community articles where they were talking about free blades and dread blades that like oh yeah now you have the ability to do this and splash them in so like I I think it's very clear that that's how the intention is they just again they they worded it very poorly right um, moving on to number seven uh, again something that affects both codexes all knights are slower and less stompy big knights got tougher though so. All the knights have lost two inches of movement. War dogs and armagers used to move 14. They now move 12. Questorus and abhorrent knights used to move 12, and this is at their top band. They now move 10. Tyrant and dominus knights used to move 10. They now move 8. Um, the one exception to that is the rampager and gallant knights. Uh, those still move at 12 inches because they are assault only knights. They, then that's how fast they move. Although, I will say the I don't believe the carnivore, the war dog carnivore. No, I take that back. The war dog carnivore because it is also assault focused stays at fourteen inches. Nice. So the assault focused knights keep their full movement. Everybody else is slowed down a little bit, and I I kind of like that because one of the things about the uh, all shooty knights, especially like the tyrants and dominus, is that they were as good at moving forward and shooting as the night as everybody else was so this again creates a little bit of a difference in roles if you are as purely assault focused which is again the argument to never take a despoiler without putting guns on it because it would mm-hmm. stay at 12 at uh, 10 inches of movement and not 12 unlike the gallant and the rampager in addition the other thing about shooting knights is because of the way titanic feet worked where you got three swings per attack like there was really no downside to taking an all shooty knight because you could kick another knight to death still because you'd get 12 attacks and they did two damage each um, or they did D three damage each. I should say um, now Titanic feet on all the knights just are one attack each and are a fixed like AP minus two, two damage. So if you are wanting to do an assault focused Knight, you should take one. You should take one that has an actual like close combat weapon to get the most out of it. And if I remember right, uh, the uh, re- like the chain swords have also like the Reaper chain swords have also been improved. Yeah, the Reaper chain sword is strength plus six, AP minus four, six damage, and then also it has and and the Thunderstrike gauntlet is like eight damage now instead of six. And each of those also got a a strike and a sweep mode, so they can do. They, that's how you get the multiple attacks against a larger, you know, against like infantry units and such. And it does less damage. The, I say, Go also ahead. the Thunderstrike Gauntlet 
is no longer minus one to hit. Right. I, I like that so much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it, it really comes down to, do you want the more strength and the more damage, but less AP, or do you want the better AP, but it doesn't just double your strength? But yeah, no, I, I, I feel like the, you know, if you want a knight to be good in close combat, you should take a dedic- you should take a knight that has dedicated close combat abilities, even if it's just one weapon. If you are mm-hmm. wanting a shooty knight, it should be a shooty knight, and its its stats and attacks should reflect that. And I'm glad that they've put in that difference because that was one of the problems with like like the tyrant and dominus. Like, uh, yeah, you take a castellan because it can kick kick something to death as well as any other knight, and it is also made of gun. There's no reason not to. Now, there's actually like, yeah, this knight is big and it's full of gun, but it is not good at close combat. It And even against small, like, units of infantry, um, they can, yeah, it can still fall back and walk over them and stuff, but it's not, like, they're more likely to tar pit it, or at least, I mean, not permanently tar pit it, but it's not going to kill as many of them but there's also the trade-off of big guns never tire apply because they are vehicles, so they can also still shoot at the things that are surrounding them. So it's still not safe to attack them with a mob of enemies, but they can't just kick them to death. Mm-hmm. So, no, I just, I overall, I think it's better, like, the way they've changed the way the knights are, are built to, uh, reflects their roles better and reflects what they're supposed to do and gives them... More variants in the design space. Also, the uh, the Valiant and, uh, like, the Dominus class and the Tyrant class knights had their armor saves go from 3-up to 2-up. So now they are even hardier than they were before. Same number of wounds, 28 wounds, still 8 toughness, but with a 2-up save instead of a 3-up. And then, of course, everybody still has, uh, across the board, has the 5-up in Voln against range attacks with ion shields. All right. Now time to drop the chaos book off for a bit because we're going to go into Imperial territory. Now, Imperial Knights themselves, their households, I mean, they still have households and relics and treasures. They they didn't get anybody new in that regard. Um, they don't have god-based upgrades or anything like that. They don't have any psychers or psychic powers. And they definitely aren't harbingers of dread. So what makes Imperial Knights play differently, especially when you have fewer options as far as individual models uh, than Chaos Knights? Well, the first thing that Imperial Knights have, um, instead of being harbingers of dread, they are honorable and take shiv- have follow a chivalric code. And um, I also hate this. Just going <laughs> to... <laughs> Um, so it, it, again, yeah, yeah. First off, no cards for these in the uh, data cards for the Imperial Knights either. So just being clear. So this is one that you pick during army construction. This does not shift during the game exactly, but uh, if every unit from your army has the Imperial Knights keyword, excluding units from the Agents of the Imperium or unaligned keywords, and all of those units, excluding Freeblades, are from the same noble household, then when you write your army list, you must also swear two oaths from those in the following tables and make a note of them in your army list. This is the argument to play Freeblades because you will never have to deal with this system if you do. So there are four oaths you can pick, and this reminds me very much of like Black Templars back in the day picking your oath of like, you know, how are you going to play? So there's an oath, protect those in need, defend the realm, refuse no challenge, and lay low the tyrants. Protect those in need says, um, 
Basically, each of these oaths, of which you pick two, have a pledge and a trough. And you're having to track honor points for your entire household. You start at one honor point. If you are ever at zero honor points, you are dishonorable. If you have one to four honor points, you are honored. If you are five to six honor points, you are virtuous. And each of the oaths gives you a thing. The pledge is something that you will do, and if you do this, you gain honor points. If you, the troth is the thing that if you do this or don't do or don't avoid doing something, you will lose honor points. So, for example, protect those in need. If you did a heroic intervention with a knight's model, or you made a charge move against an enemy that started the charge phase engaged with another enemy unit, you get an honor point. But if you chose, if you could have made a heroic intervention but chose not to, or you could have charged somebody who is an enemy unit that was in engagement range with somebody else in your army, but you didn't, you lose an honor point. Defend the Realm says, if you control more objective markers than your opponent does, then at the end of the battle round, you get an honor point. And if they control more than you, you lose an honor point. Refuse No Challenge says, if you killed two or more enemy units with melee attacks by any knights or units in your army, you gain an honor point. If you fell back from battle during the round, then you lose an honor point. And Lalo the Tyrants, if you destroyed one or more warlord, character, monster, or vehicle units with a melee attack, then you gain an honor point. But if two less than two enemy units in general have been destroyed by any attack made by Imperial Knights from your army during that round, you lose an honor point. Okay, so now we've established how you can gain and lose honor points. Each of these vows has an honored ability and a virtuous ability tied to them. If you have one to four honor points, you get their honored abilities. If you have the virtual, if you are virtuous and have five or more, you have the virtuous ability. It's like the honored ability for protect those in needs gives you, lets you do more heroic interventions. Let lets you heroically intervene as if you were a character. If they are, and then, then they're el- and if they were already a character, then they can heroically intervene six inches instead of three. Um. If uh, Defend the Realm says uh, you gain an extra command point during your command phases if you're honored. Refuse No Challenge says uh, you add one to your attacks hit roll if you charged, were charged, or heroically intervened. And Lalo the Tyrant says if you uh, each time the model is selected shoot or fight, you can reroll one hit roll or, or one wound roll if you are honorable. And then there's virtuous abilities on top of that. So you're going to be tracking two of these oaths, which will both affect, could both affect your honor points. And then keeping track of what, how many honor points you have to determine what honored abilities you have and or if the virtuous abilities apply. Or maybe you lose honor points and you end up zero and you lose all these abilities until you can gain more honor points. Well, I'll say this, Rob. If you don't want to do the system, just say at the beginning i'm just not going to track this and not worry about that and i'll be dishonorable but it doesn't matter because you don't get any detriment for being dishonored you just don't get uh, yeah, extra I mean, I mean you'd have to you, you'd have to rule zero that because it actually says if everything in your not in your all your knights are from the same household then you must pick two of them during army construction. No, I mean, you, well what i mean is you can pick two of them and just not track it during the game and just stay at zero I mean, because you can't go below zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but there are other abilities that are affected by whether or not you're honorable or not in the game. And 
And again, I, I definitely do not see any possibility of this being abused by, say, a player forgetting to track that, oh, I didn't do X, Y, or Z in my turn. This, honestly, this sounds like a freaking nightmare. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Remember when uh, I said yeah. I didn't like Harbingers of Dread, but I liked it better than the, the Imperial Knights version? Yeah. That's why. I this, mean, this I think awful. this sounds great for Crusade. Yeah. 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 For Crusade, Honestly, it's well, fantastic. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> However, maybe. Crusade, of course, has its own system, which I'm not going to get into here, but it's that there's more <laughs> stuff stacked on top of that. Because also, the art in Crusade, you have to track the level of honor of your army at the end of the battle, which determines how many glory or shame points you get, which then affect other things you do. So, yeah. <laughs> Not a fan. Not a so, fan. This, I will say this with the uh, it, with the crusade play because I know we're not talking about crusade play, but with that system where like you lose enough shame points, it would be hilarious that if you start off and you go below a certain threshold of shame points, you just become chaos knights. <laughs> <laughs> I find that funny, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, this sounds awful. I don't like this at all. <laughs> well, and especially because it's like, like. There's a couple here, like, defend the realm. Defend the realm is, like, control more objective markers than your opponent. What's your goal? Kill your opponent so he doesn't control objective markers. There's no reason to ever not take defend the realm. Like, you yeah. should always take that. And it gives you um, it gives you extra CP every command phase. And if you manage to hit Virtuous by doing this and your other thing enough to get uh, honor points, um, every model in your army has objective secured. There's no reason to ever not take Defend the Realm. On the other hand, depending on who you're fighting, like, you may never want to take Protect Those in Need because if you are not in a situation where, like, if you're fighting Tau, the Protect Those in Need is terrible because you should never be heroically intervening or being in engagement range with somebody else. Like, they're going to try to actively get away from you. And also, in that case, you really don't need the extra buffs in melee and, you know, the extra buffs that come right. from, like, cause, cause you're, you're wiping, if, if they mess up and let you get into melee with your knights against Tau, you've won the game. <laughs> like, right. <sighs> I mean, honestly, it's like, um, defend the realm is always good. And then refuse the challenge and Lalo the tyrants are the ones like, are you going to be fight doing a lot of melee stuff? Um, then play refuse no challenge. If not, Use Lalo the Tyrants, because as long as you're killing units every turn, it doesn't matter how, because it doesn't specify it has to be melee weapons that do it. You just won't lose any command point or any uh, mm-hmm. any points. You won't lose any honor points. So, yeah, it, this this is a this is a bad system. Like, I, I it's an abusable system. It does. It has a very clearly best option. It's not good. Well, that's why you pick two. You do pick two, but like one of them, like at that point, it's like you just say defend the realm. Like every, you just th- at that point, you just say every knight army has this one, and then pick one of these to go with it. That that's right. really yeah. what you need to do, and never take Agreed. protect those in need because that is also uh. a bad idea. So, yeah, uh, code chivalric w- was is not good, and then, uh, but that takes us into uh, num- number nine on our list. Imperial Knights have Bondsman abilities to benefit their Armagers. Um, we mentioned that uh, in, you know, Armagers serve as like the, the servants and, and uh, assistants to, to uh, Imperial Knights. And so all of the Questorus class Knights 
have bondsman abilities. Um, these do, uh, uh, the, the knight valiant and knight, uh, the knight valiant and knight castellan do not. And the knight preceptor, which is a questoris class, does not, but it has something else instead. So, what a bondsman ability is, is some Imperial Knights have a bondsman ability, which they can use to affect friendly models. Um, a model can only be affected by one bondsman ability at a time, though. If an Imperial Knights model is select is being affected by a bondsman ability, um, when it is select, yeah, and if somebody else uses another bondsman ability, it replaces the first one. And while an armature class model is being affected by a bondsman ability, if your army is either honorable or virtuous, uh, um, in addition to any other effects, each time an attack is allocated against that model, subtract one from the damage characteristic of that attack. So you need to track whether, as long as you, you have to track that you stay honorable, because it makes your armagers take less damage. You could just not take armagers then, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing it's like if if like if the goal of i want to play this army but i don't want to take deal with all these systems is well just stop taking taking all those units that we interact with this that's bad design no i th- there seems to be a lot of rule interaction between units and yeah, yeah. Uh, no so, I, like, I agree with you <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, for example, the Knight Errant has, uh, and all of these are, like, so-and-so's duty. So, like, the Errant's duty, <laughs> Warden's duty, Crusader's duty, Gallant's duty, Hero's duty. No, there's That's no Hero's duty. duty That's a lot of duty. And they're all, tw- like, you select a an armager of your household within 12 inches. Uh, for, like, the Errant's duty is until the start of your next command phase, um, if that armager charges, it adds one to its advance and charge rolls. The Warden is... Um, until the start of your next command phase, the armager counts as 10 models. And remember, armagers are objective secured. Uh, count as 10 models for determining who, which player controls objective markers. Crusader's duty is uh, give it a plus one ballistic skill. And Knight Gallant is plus one weapon skill. And each of those can select basically like target one armager and give it that those upgrades. Now, there's also the Paladins Knight Percept- is nice. Paladin, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot Paladin's duty. Uh, Paladin's is uh, basically the uh, captain ability. Reroll hit rolls of one, uh, captain and lieutenant abilities rolled into one. A uh, reroll hit rolls of one and wound rolls of one. Which all armature. of those are nice because before you get into the perceptor, the perceptor used to be the only one that buffed armatures, and it right. was reroll hit rolls of one. So now that's on the Paladin plus, and now everyone else can buff armatures as well. Right. So it's like again, it 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 encourages you to use armatures without having to use the preceptor if you don't want to, and lets you. And it also, I think, encourages you to take. Well, I mean, like you can either take a mix of knights, or like you could just take like a bunch of paladins and armatures and have a good old time. <laughs> and then there's the preceptor. The preceptor is what if knight, but also chaplain. And I say that because that is exactly how it works. There are a there's a set of knightly teachings, six knightly teachings, and uh, the that knight has uh, the mentor keyword. And this model knows three teachings from the knightly teachings in your command phase. If this model is on the battlefield, it can recount up to two of them. It knows that have not already been recounted by friendly models this turn. Roll a d6 on a three up. The recounted teaching is inspiring and takes effect until the start of your next command phase. So you do get at least two of them going off at once. And you're going to know three of them. 
which could be and here's the fun thing these all work differently some of them are six inch bubbles and these are actually auras they will straight up say that some of them you select some uh an armature within 12 inches so it could be a six inch aura of scoring additional hits on unmodified hit rolls of six in either melee or shooting uh, or it could be um, if that model is being affected by any chivalric abilities, you count as having two more honor points than you currently do. So you could actually pull off the virtuous abilities if you were only at four. I hate it. Um, next, uh, three, <laughs> 12, in, uh, a 12 inch, uh, select a armature within 12 inches. The model can perform, uh, you can have armatures perform actions and make normal moves and shoots without the action failing. I didn't realize armagers could perform actions because they aren't infantry, but uh, apparently I had missed that somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't, they didn't put, there's not a rule anywhere that says armagers can perform actions. So I'm not sure. They can't, they they can if you roll this. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's, I, I I guess I, 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 I don't know why that's there. I'm confused and I don't like it. <laughs> um, there's uh, the Knight's, or- Knight's Faith is a six inch aura of uh, six up feel no pain. Unless that armager is also under the effects of a bondman's ability, in which case it's a five up feel no pain. So, yeah. That's good. Um, it's good. Again, you, you kind of have to have a preceptor within six inches of an armager that is also being... You targeted by a bondsman for ability from another knight who has to be 12 inches away from it <laughs> within 12. Yeah. Within 12 inches. Yeah. Yep. So um, positioning. Warrior, yeah. Warriors hope, uh, select a armature class model within 12 inches. This met- mentor select one oath from the code chivalric that is not active for your army. The oath is active for that armature and it gains all the abilities, but does not have to track its pledge or troth. Okay, that makes it a little bit better that you don't actually cast, <laughs> follow the points. And then Wisdom of Nobility is a 12-inch, select an armature within 12 inches of the Mentor. Each time it's selected by for a Bondsman ability, you can select another armature within 6 inches of the first armature that also gets the Bondsman's ability. That's so probably chain. one of the better ones. Yeah, you can chain them together. Um, yeah, I, I still don't like that. I'm not liking the Imperial Knights army. I, I wish I was. It's okay. I, I've kind of bitten the bullet for knights this year. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a knights army. I have a pair of uh, Armager Hellglaves that I need to build and, and attach to it. Um, I don't want to now. <laughs> are Chaos Knights objectively better than Imperial Knights? Is that what we're calming down on? Like, ah, oh, God, I, I'm almost thinking so. I, I really would say I think so, but I'm sad about it because I'm playing what? Knights oh. now. So, oh. what a weird, what a weird place this game is in, where like chaos <laughs> is objectively better than anyway. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. And, and this takes us to our final thing, which is the Exalted Court, which is an ability that like the Exalted Court has been a thing in in past Knight Codexes, and in the past, I think it was just like a stratagem that you took, like that targeted. Oh, the stratagem that just makes somebody a uh, baron. Yeah, so, yeah, the old... Yeah, the no, it, yeah, it's, yeah, page 108. The old Exalted Court was a stratagem. You selected a Questorus class or Dominus class model from your army. Uh, 
or you can pick two of, for one CP or pick two of them for three CP and they would gain the character keyword. You could choose a warlord trait with them in addition to like, that's how you gave them extra warlord traits. That was all it was. That was the exalted court. The exalted court gave you, um, but they, you know, gave you extra warlord traits and made them characters. Ta-da. Was there anything wrong with that? Really? It could be cooler. <laughs> and so <laughs> the exalted court is their equivalent of um, like unit upgrades. Like we had the, the gifts of the chaos gods for the chaos knights. They instead get the exalted court. Um, if your army is battleforged and includes any Imperial Knights detachments, then when you muster your army, so this is during your army construction, with the exception of Freeblades, you can upgrade any Questorus class character or Dominus class character model in your army to be a member of the Exalted Court. Now, to be a character knight, you either have to be the Warlord, in which case they gain the character keyword, or there's a stratagem that you can take called Knight Baron, which gives the Imperial Knight a keyword and a Warlord trait. So Knight Baron does what um, Exalted Court did before. Mm -hmm. Once they are Exalted Court, which then gets into you spend those CP during army construction... Yeah, we use a stratagem before the battle when you are mustering your army, which it'll be fun to see how this interacts with the the, <laughs> the smaller number of command points you are going to get in the next season. Um, then you can upgrade what any of your Questorus class character or Dominus class character models to be a member of the Exalted Court. Um, each time, and then there's a power and points upgrade, just you know, like normal, like any of these normal abilities. Each time you upgrade a model to become a member of the Exalted Court, it gains the Exalted Court keyword. Great. The Exalted Court ability, which lets you use a knight's bondsman ability an additional time each each turn, each command phase. So one one member of the Exalted Court can do a bondsman ability on two different armagers. And other additional abilities, as shown in the appropriate section over the following pages, each upgrade also includes a noble exemplar ability and a crusade ability. So there's one that is only applies during crusade games. So I'm glad that they've marked that out. That's something I wanted. I'm glad they've put that in. <laughs> An upgraded model can only use its noble exemplar ability while your army is honored or virtuous. If your army is dishonored <laughs> or if the arm upgraded our model has no bondsman abilities, such as a preceptor. You should never make a preceptor unit of, in the Exalted Court. Then it cannot use its noble uh, exemplar ability. So only, really, only the standard quest or like you can make a Dominus class character model a member of the Exalted Court, but none of them have bondsman abilities. So there's no point. There's literally no point. But it's cool. and in fact, none of them. None, none of them target the uh, Dominus class knights anyway. So again, there's there's really no point. So you should only ever do it on Questorus knights because they're the only ones that have bondsman abilities. Which now they do gain abilities beyond the noble exemplar abilities. So I guess depending, it's a mess. Um, So, for example, High Monarch says if you pick High Monarch, it has the High Monarch. This has to, unit has to be your Warlord. Uh, every time you gain an honor point, roll a d6 on a five up. You gain one additional honor point. 
Each time this model uses its Bondsman ability, this is the Exemplar ability, it also applies to every friendly armager within six inches of the model, and we'll ignore the Crusade ability, because basically it talks about uh, certain things cost less requisition to use. Uh, Gatekeeper seems useful to me. Uh, Gatekeeper, when this model is wholly within your deployment zone... um, uh, wounds of one to three automatically fail against it. Its noble exemplar ability is uh, while it's an armature class model is in effect of this model's bondsman ability, it gets plus one toughness, which that's really if it's within range of an objective marker, it gets plus one toughness. Yeah, this is for holding the line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Master of Lore makes one of your characters a mentor, like a Knight Preceptor, and it le- learns one teaching. If it's already a Knight Preceptor, the one time you'd probably want to put on there, it gets an additional teaching. Oh, no, I take that back. It can recount an additional teaching, so it can do all three of its teachings every time. Yeah, the other thing to note about these are that five of them are for um, Imperial households and five of them are for Mechanicus households. So you you, right. you have some limitations there, too. Right, so like High Monarch is only Imperialist because they have high, they're the ones that have a High Monarch. Mechanicus have Princeps instead, and you can take a Princep, which has different abilities. They avoid losing honor points on a five up. So, um, which I mean, yeah, so like, okay, so I take the back. You could apply a couple of these to Dominus, but you won't get the full effect of them if you put them on anything other than a non-Preceptor Questorus. Um, because, like, for example, take a Castellan and give it Forge Master if you're playing Mechanicus, because while this model is wholly in your deployment zone, uh, reduce all incoming damage uh, by one, not cumulative with any other rules that lower damage of an attack. Um, Yeah, so... I mean, it's not a bad set of upgrades. You can, like... The bondsman abilities can be ignored, especially if you just don't care about the honor points. Um, but, uh, like, it's not, it's not terrible. It's just required, like, it keep like, the way everything interacts with this, there's a lot of extra tracking that you just need to be doing to make sure that all your abilities are firing it at, on full, all cylinders, you know, so... Um, which, I mean, on the one hand, in a, if you want people to be using that chivalric code and honor system, you, you know, making sure all your, like, to get the most out of your army, that everything has to be keyed off of it, and you have to be having to track it, is one way to do it. It's just a shame that it's a bad system, and I don't want to do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, those are our ten things. Um, and so, yeah, Kevin, I'm with you. I honestly think the Chaos Knights came out of this better than the Imperial Knights. Yeah. No, I do too, because, like, it's just... Sorry, go on. I'll say, I will also agree with the one exception. I like Free Blades in the, in the Imperial Knights book better than their old books, so... Yeah. But then again, uh, the Dread Blades are kind of the same thing, and they kind of seem very similar in this case. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it feels to me like the Chaos, like if you're going to play a full Knight's army, Chaos Knights is the better and easier one to play. You get more flexibility, you get more buffs, more abilities to kind of do interesting things. If you're going to play just a free blade, absolutely, yeah, the, the, the Imperial Knight free blade will work really well and slot in. You can slot it into almost any other army and you don't have to deal with a lot of these extra systems and... uh I think in that case, it is a really good choice. But I think if you're wanting to play a full-fledged knight army, 
it's probably it probably chaos knights is better for you i totally agree um it has let like i mean there's depending on like how you build your your chaos knight army like you might still have a little bit of extra bookkeeping on like uh the chaos gifts and keeping track mm-hmm. of your kill tallies and stuff like that so like i'm not as big a fan of that i think the harbingers of dread system is not presented as well as it could be, but I see what they're doing with it, and I find it easier to track and less abusable than the uh, the chivalric code system for Imperial yes. Knights. Um, so I I like I like the Chaos Knight abilities better. I like that there's a Psychic Knight, which is kind of kind of a cool new thing to have. Um, I like the flexibility of the new armatures. Um, yeah, I I've. I find that it, and especially because, like, on a unit-by-unit basis, it does a lot of the same, like, the units have the same basic capabilities because they're mirror images of each other. So, Mm. yeah, I think, I I honestly think that the Chaos Knight book comes out ahead in this. Um, The Imperial Knight book, like, it will still hold its own. I just don't, I don't look at it and think, that's an enjoyable army to play. Like, I don't, that, that does not, it does not hit me. But yeah, I'm I'm with you, Dennis. I think free blades and then uh, dread blades as well will be a lot of fun to to splash into armies. Like I to the point where, like I have you know thanks to Games Workshop, you know I have access to the the Chaos Knight army box, and um, I'm in more interested in building a dread blade and a pair of like dread blade armatures that I could use instead. I'm far more interested in that than I am building a full Chaos Knight household necessarily. On the other hand, I have an existing Knight household army and I don't, I almost don't want to get it out now other than to splash one of them in with my sisters to oh, use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that seems great to me, but not playing yes. a whole Knight army. So one, one other thing that I, that I, you just, you mentioned something there that reminded me and I, I do want to bring this up as a point. I so I really dislike what GW does with the like preview codexes or the like box. You get the box, you buy that. You know, that's the only <laughs> way to get the codex for a while. It's in most cases, it's fine because yeah, okay, Templars, you get your codex for like a month and stuff like that. But like, it's sisters. really frustrating in or sisters like that. So it's like okay, most people are most people that really want to play it are probably going to buy the box, the new models anyway. So it's fine. In this case, it's really frustrating when you're releasing two books that are so similar that we're able to do it in one review episode, and one of those books just isn't available to most people. Like, that's really frustrating. Like, I don't know why. Like, it should be just as frustrating as the other times they've done it, but this time seems particularly egregious. And I don't – it just – that really annoys me. I don't like – I don't like that that way of doing this. I think the chaos box is fine. Like it's a good value for what it is, and I get getting the models out there. But it just seems like a really weird choice to not also release the codex at the same time that you release the other codex. Yeah, no, I I I totally agree. But I'm also glad that they are you know technically like if somebody wants to play Chaos Knights, they are going to go ahead and order this box, and both armies are technically playable at the same time with Mm -hmm. rules that are more or less in parity. Um, But also, yeah, the fact that, for example, if somebody doesn't buy it, um, is the, like, let's say somebody uses the app 
to track their rules, people will more people will be able to unlock the Imperial Knight rules than will be able to unlock the Chaos Knight right. rules. Because some because somebody who has an existing knight army only has to spend like 45, 50 bucks on a book, where somebody right. who has an existing Chaos Knight army has to spend oh, how much is that pre-order going Two, for? I have five. Two eighty five. Yeah. Yeah. And they can't just spend, you know, money on a book. In fact, let's see what are, yeah. what are because these are also relatively slim codexes, and I'm I'm ho- almost hoping that they didn't put the extra stuff in just to uh, justify the cost. Okay, so the Imperial Knights Codex is fifty five dollars. So we're starting to see those price increases hitting two sixty five yeah. for the uh, Chaos Knights Army set, which is hey, a little bit cheaper than two sixty five. Okay, yeah, but yeah, it just it it. Chaos Knights are not a brand new army. Like they've, you know, there are people that have Chaos Knights out there, and like it seems, it seems really unfair to release to release it this way when you're also releasing the other book, that, you know, at the same time. So, yeah, it's like with the like the Sisters Army, like this was Sisters being relaunched in plastic, so not a lot yeah. of people had Sisters Armies. Like it, it kind of made sense. Like if you were really into wanting to play Sisters Army, you got it at the launch. Otherwise, you'd pick right. it up later. Um, Black Templars, they were introducing like new Black Templar Primaris versions of everybody, which meant your old models weren't necessarily as compatible. So it's mm-hmm. like that one doesn't even bother me as much. But this one, yeah, I'm with you. It's like the army set is cool. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. <laughs> it's I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like there should have been a well, like put the like the codec. The army kit has a collector's edition of the codex. It comes with yeah. the army cards. Let that be a separate purchase and make that uh, like if the night if they made the knights code like the chaos knights codex available next week or in two weeks, that might not be as bad. But making somebody wait a month for uh, you know a very very similar book and having very very similar rules, you know, as far as like the base yeah. mechanics, yeah, it does seem off. So hey, look at this way, Kevin. You as a chaos player, you got a better codex and you still got to complain about something. I know it's really it's really perfect. It really is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I am excited I about the book though. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's like I'm actually like I find Chaos Knights to be far more interesting and and yeah, if somebody who has Chaos Knights, it it is sad that we won't see like stuff like the chitin i mean it's going to stay in in a forge world stuff but it's like i'd like to hopefully they'll update some of that stuff to have the chaos rules of course the forge world update for all like the like the the night megara and stuff like that and the the moirax and they're gonna have to update that with like bondsman abilities and and chivalric codes and stuff like that also it's it feels weird to me that the chivalric codes also apply to the Mechanicus Knights because they seem like they would not follow that as much. It's a weird one size fits all solution to, to <laughs> would the it have been, building. Would it have been better or worse for them to have a separate second, like second independent system for just the Mechanicus Knights? Worse, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm like, worse. like. I think so. I, honestly, one bad system is really, bad enough. <laughs> I. I think an Imperial Knight version of the Harbingers of Dread that, like, created buffs for the army as you went forward would have been cool. Mm -hmm. It would have been way easier to track, and it would have been a little bit more, 
like household agnostic, but that's not what we got. We got a, a honor tracking system. No, I, I don't like. So, but you know, if that maybe for some people, like may, I may just not be the target audience for this book. Like this, this may real like there are some people that like the who like maybe get really into playing like a particular household and are like no, this this is what I came for. And you know, if that's your thing, God bless yeah. you. Enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that is going to take us over to Hobby Progress as we begin to wind down the show. I am painting Dark Angels. If this seems like a repeat from two weeks ago, it is, but I'm painting different Dark Angels because now I'm on Ravenwing. Um, and I have the base colors down on them. This, like, I, I did a lot of – my airbrush did a lot of heavy lifting as far as – because it's like I was going over them. It's like, okay, so I've primed them black. Well, that's step one done. Um, and then I'd like, okay, well, I've got – like iron hand steel airbrush paint. Why not just do all the metallics? So like all the, like the, the pipes on the bikes and like all the weapons on everything just, and like the, the grav plates on the, um, like the land, a couple of land speeders I have, like that's all taken care of. And then I used, uh, like, let's see, Mechanicus standard gray and then Ulthuan Gray on top of that to do the uh, the like the wings and the back banners like you know the wings on the front the back banners so that like all the like the black the silver the white is all pretty much like the base colors are done I just have to go in with uh, a brush to like clean up where it oversprayed onto the black and then I can start doing details <laughs> it's nice. like it'll be I'll be able to knock them out very quickly so uh, um, easier to paint than the Deathwing I'll definitely say that. <laughs> For sure, for sure. And then I've also been, like, as I've been working on stuff, I had the uh, the new Warpsmith uh, models uh, sitting aside. And so, like, when I was doing my silver spray, I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead and, like, I, I actually was when I was painting silver details on some of the Deathwing. I'm like, I'll just go ahead and put the all the silver on this guy. And then I was like, oh, and I'm also painting, like, the hafts of weapons with like screamer pink. And like, I'm just going to put down the pink on the armor plating. So he's actually got a fair amount of base color on him done as well. So that that's nice. just like, I've got the brush, the paint is wet. I might as well use it. So I've been trying to get him worked on at the same time. And that's it for me. So for me, it's been just uh building terrain, building and painting terrain for, uh, for, you know, Midwest conquest, um, continuing to try to paint up my work terrain, um, when I was back in Kansas City uh, a couple weeks ago, I got several of the prizes and stuff uh, for Midwest Conquest kind of assembled and uh, and ready to go. So we've got some cool, uh, we'll have some cool prizes and raffle items. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully for the friendly, we'll have a bunch of really cool, cool themed tables. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of in crunch mode trying to get all that ready. Fun times. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of the friendly, that's what I'm also getting ready for, but to, to play as opposed to run. Um, I got the two armatures painted. I got the, um, airbrush base coats on the night or the last of the nights. Um, so now it's just, um, like I told the guys earlier, I've only got four models left to go. Um, <laughs> three, three of them are knights though. And the, the fourth one is the inquisitor. So. Uh, yeah, painting on those. The other thing I'll, I'll toss out is, um, yeah, I think last weekend I went to the Dallas Open and did the narrative event there. And that was so much fun. Uh, very laid back games. They had different 
scenarios and the terrain on the boards looked fantastic and it was and they built the scenarios kind of based on the terrain so nice. just looking at a table you could see what the story was and it kind of reminded me back in the day where we were playing like we did some of like the scenarios out of the supplement books like the mm-hmm. little campaign story modes they had and those were f- a lot of fun and i don't know like one of them here was the mission was you had to hold the bridges and it had a water like river and it was impassable terrain. So you had to fly over it or use the bridges. And so you you scored a point if you held more bridges than the opponent, there's only two. So you either held them both or you tied or held one and dry them off. Or you um, had more units on the other side of the river than your opponent had on your side. And that one was a lot of fun just to kind of, because you had to like think and different units started shining because and deep strike was a thing that you had to like prepare for it, it, it was just a lot of fun and also the the big piece there was they had a trench warfare table and that table itself was just amazing um because they they built it up like the trenches were formed by the spots where they didn't put terrain and so just having that much terrain to like have and so you could like move up and jump back down and line of sight could be a problem unless things are really tall well then you could see them and that it it just made it a lot of fun they didn't have like an overarching everyone is in one big story thing they kind of first broke us into little pods so you you had a little mini narrative with the people in your group and then part two they said define your own narrative as you're going along based on the scenarios that are presented before you think of like each game as here's episode one here's episode two here's episode three type thing and it it made it so you in your mind at least i had a good time of making the narrative between the two i i talked to some people on sunday they said yeah i was just doing the missions as they come because i lost track of that or they weren't entered but i mean it was still a very laid back um way to play the game which was very very refreshing to me so if you guys especially you guys here have a chance to try a narrative event somewhere go try it out because it it definitely is a different way to play than the current tournament play so like when the u.s open hits kc maybe try to get into the narrative event there rather than the the tournament yeah so i mean that would be a thing um I'm I'm good with giving a shot then. Cool. We made a decision hopefully, on on the hopefully recording. My, <laughs> hopefully my world leaders codex is out by then, and I can just run those guys not to pink anything. <laughs> I have no. I have to start looking yeah, at the no rules for newer stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. I I would either. I think I will either be running sisters or death guard for that one because those yeah. are the armies that I have mostly painted. Although, depending if a new cast space marine codex comes out and the emperor's children rules in there are are decent. I might mm-hmm. use that, in, especially if I can splash in like a Chaos Knight with it as part of a Crusade Army. Although Crusade Armies, I think were well, I'd have again, I have to look at the rules for mustering a Crusade <laughs> Army again. It's been a while since yeah. I've looked at them, so. Uh, but yeah, I'm will. I am definitely down for okay. doing the Crusade Army. So if you say narrative events are fun and that seems to mesh more with the style of play that we generally do, I'm totally here for it. So well, and, yeah. and I, what I'll say is that's also based on like. One the train <laughs> was very it, well, the train there was also very asynchronous so it wasn't like the same there was definitely train advantages on different sides but the missions made up for that and so that's my only concern this one this is going to be more you're using standard mission standard train so it'll, it it'll probably feel more laid back and more you're creating your own story and especially since we well, we haven't tried a big crusade um narrative 
uh, that'll be something definitely to try. And also six games with bigger breaks is a lot less exhausting than eight games in mm. three days. <laughs> For sure. All right. And then, um, Richard. <laughs> It's your hobby progress time. Sorry, sorry to ignore you there for a bit. That's all right. Um, I just talked a lot. Right. I got uh, a. I got and assembled a Castellan Crow. Ooh, oh, cool. And looking forward to getting him painted. And he was a good pickup for me anyway, because like not long after I first played my Grey Knights army, like I had a a. A, a an incident where like all of my stuff was still just in one of the big like you know army box boxes mm-hmm. and i put it on top of my car and the wind was strong enough that it blew it off while i was trying to get stuff into my car so castle and crow was one of the one of the casualties where his like you know back banner broke off and that was a, like a little bitty like fine cast <laughs> right. mm, no saving that yeah like it i was able to 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 kind of glue it back on but like it like breaks off like super easy and i have to keep it like and i it's i haven't really used him much because he's really fragile so Having but the now you have the new one plastic nice. one. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. Nice to see that you have been able to to you know to to replace him with 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 a new shiny boy. Yep. So. <laughs> and that brings us to the morale phase, and um, we just finished Moon Knight, which I think was really cool. And uh, yeah. I yeah. unfortunately I don't know if we're seeing more like it's kind of a limited six issues or six issue six episode series and uh, well, but so it left with a cliff with a cliffhanger. <laughs> so what's interesting? They've not confirmed anything with the season two or anything beyond this, but they did in the initial trailer for the finale. They said you know series finale, and then they updated it and replaced it like a day later with the one that said season finale. I don't know if that Ooh. means anything, but. They they have like at least left the door open, and obviously the way that it ended, there's more stories to tell with Moon Knight. So, right. um, I really dug the series. I really I like the fact it was very self contained and very like mm-hmm. separate from the rest of the world. It was just a character study and like introducing this character and his his mechanics and stuff like that. I liked the amount of like archaeology and Egyptian mythology in it because I just love that stuff. So. Uh, you know, hippo goddess. Like, I mean, there's so many great things about the show. Tawara is Isaac a beautiful is a, is... cinnamon roll, and if anything ever happened to her, I would be beside myself. Yeah. <laughs> and and Oscar Isaac is like remains great in everything he's been in. Like, say what you will about the Star Wars sequels, and we've talked about him here before. Like, especially Rise of Skywalker being a bad movie. Oscar Isaac is really good in those movies, and he's really good in everything else that I've seen them in. So. Um, he really got to play around by doing the multiple personality stuff. Like there was action, there was like nice character stuff. Like I liked it. I really liked the show, but I also get that okay, it's I, not for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen X Men Apocalypse, and I know he played Apocalypse in that. Was he good or terrible, uh, or was okay, that movie just terrible around him? <laughs> that's fair. Like because he's so he does. Yeah, he's not very good in that. That's fair. 
Um, he's not very good in that movie, but that movie is bad. And he's caked in so much, like, blue makeup that he doesn't really get to do much anyway. So, yeah, I give him, I give him a little bit of pass on that because that movie's just bad. But everything right. else, because, like, in Inside Lewin Davis, he's great in that. He's great in the Star Wars movies. Uh, there's a film that came out last year called The Card Counter, where he plays, like, an Iraq war veteran who becomes a professional gambler. That movie's awesome. Like, he's really good in, like, everything I've seen him in. And yeah, there was there were a couple scenes, especially in like one of the last episodes when like if you haven't seen Moon Knight, uh, he's he does play two different people. I won't get into it yeah. more than that. But there's a scene where and I'll just say without using any CG or anything, he's switching between both characters. And as somebody who is a drama major in college, that's hard. Yeah. To to switch between mannerisms and voices that quickly and seamlessly is not easy because a whole thing of acting is putting yourself like like trying to get yourself in the physicality and the like even the voice and everything. He's also like playing a British man and American man at the same time. Yeah. And so it's like being able to drop but you know, switch between those without any bleed through is not easy. So yeah. I I was really impressed with that. And it looked like he was having fun too. Yeah, for sure. I also forgot that he was uh, in Dune. That was I'm looking through his filmography yeah. and like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He was later Atreides in Dune. Like he's awesome yeah. in like everything he's in. <laughs> yeah. He they weren't given a lot to do. He you know, he didn't have a lot to do in that film, but uh what but he, he did definitely was, carried was like really the gravitas good. of the character, like yeah, oh. in the scenes that he had. Yeah. So yeah. No, he did really good. It was good. <laughs> no, he he's great. And then uh the other thing is um Strange New Worlds, the new Star Trek series, dropped their first episode. And Trying to steal May 4th from Star Wars. <laughs> I may have succeeded because there wasn't really anything showing for Star Wars at the time. But uh, true, true. yeah, we don't get Obi-Wan until the weekend of Midwest Conquest. So I probably won't get yeah. to see it until afterwards. But um, I will say that uh, the first episode of Strange New Worlds is, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it is the Star Trek series that takes place on the Enterprise before Kirk was captain, when it was Captain Pike. And it is a spinoff, technically, of... It is both a spinoff of the original series pilot, The Menagerie, <laughs> and a spinoff of Discovery Season 2, when we first got to meet the like the new version of uh, Captain Pike, Pike, played by Anson Mount. And so this is the, the story of... Like a younger Spock, Uhura is a cadet fresh out of the academy serving on the Enterprise. And we you have uh, Rebecca Romaine playing uh, number one, who was Majel Barrett's character in the original pilot. And uh, it's honestly, it's got like some real like old school, like original series Star Trek energy while having modern star trek like streaming production values and it's really good and it's really fun and from people who have like people in the media who have seen the first like five episodes i think because they released those for for them to review uh they it's i've heard nothing but good things like it, it's yeah. all very positive so uh again only one episode has been out so far but it totally hits like all the like if one of your problems with like the newer star trek stuff was that it was not episodic that it was continuing storylines stretched out over an entire season and you want just those those one-off weekly adventures 
uh, this is very much along those lines. And it has the like a lot of the the looks of classic Trek down to like recreating the technology on like the bridge and the tricorders and everything, which was always kind of a weird thing when they started doing new older Trek series that were more advanced technologically than old Trek. But it's kind of interesting to seeing how they're transitioning to that, but also keeping like the high production values. So it's it's cool to see. So yeah. I definitely recommend Great. it if you like Star Trek. If you if you like Star Trek at all, I think you'll like Strange New Worlds. All right. And I think that wraps up. This was episode 259 in which we talked about two codexes in one book and neither of them was Gene Steeler cults. We're sorry, but uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Getting closer. Uh, so June is coming. I promised it in June and I promised to stick by my promise. So uh, we'll have a couple of episodes in between then and now, including one covering the events of the Midwest Conquest. Although our next episode will probably be recorded before Midwest Conquest. So we'll come up with something that isn't Gene Steeler cults to talk about between then and now. But <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm messing with people at this point, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy it. Hey, I, you I, know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I'm saying I'm looking forward to our, our new next thing of a three-way codex where we talk about Gene Stealer cults and Chaos Traitor Legions and Normal Imperial Guard all rolled into one, and then I can just I guess mediate the three of you talking about your own. No, 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 no. Once look when we do the Chaos the Legion like the Chaos Legions Codex or whatever like the Chaos Space Marine Codex that's going to be like Rob and I talking for like six hours. Like we're just going <laughs> to we're like oh, we're trying to keep episodes shorter nope that one's just going to be another like rambling like long ass uh, that one so that one's going to be another two-parter <laughs> we're like talking about the generic chaos rules and then like the individual legions and then not that talk- actually might and, be a and, bad idea and then and at least we'll only be talking about uh let's see it'll be six, six legions six legions yeah yeah, be- yeah because death guard and thousand sons are in separate books world eaters will be in a separate book unless the white dwarf comes out in which case we'll talk about seven legions because we'll talk about the white dwarf stuff as well because i think <laughs> those should be talked about together god would it suck if they made war- world eaters players like you wait like two months for their white dwarf oh god you hope you hope to see because you have to have something point, to complain about kevin <laughs> that's true but honestly at this point i don't mind waiting because i've been waiting for like two years so fine whatever <laughs> okay fair enough <laughs> you're so on board for this dude like nah i'll, I'll wait just give it give yeah it to I, me. I, re- I really am like i am beyond excited like i am beyond excited for this like this is awesome <laughs> but anyway until then until then until our next episode from all of us here at preferred enemies i'm your host rob kevin Dennis and Richard. Good night, good gaming, and yeah, Chaos Knights are the not dark reflection. I'm I'm really come going to believe. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.